Episode 145, Hotshot Scott. I want to start off with being a little disappointed in you, if you don't mind. Oh, I was going to start off with the Mitch Unfiltered <laughs> United States Open Pool, which is up and running. Oh. As we speak, presented Great. by Fireside Home Solutions, a chance to win cash prizes, thanks to Fireside, by picking five golfers. But I'll go to that afterward. <laughs> sure. First, I have to hear how I've disappointed. <laughs> Uh, you know, let's you want just, me to get in line with everybody else in your just, life? Let's just work our way up the chart. We'll start with listeners. Yeah. We'll go to sons. Yeah, yeah. We'll go to wives. Sure, yeah. We got co-hosts. Yeah, that's right, yes. Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Costco co-shoppers. We'll get to that. Oh, I can't wait oh, to hear that. Oh, yeah, we need a ruling from you. Okay. We're going to start the show at some point officially. When we start the show officially, I'll need a ruling on how mean-spirited Mitch Levy was on Saturday at Costco. Well, having, I mean, known you for 25 years, I'm going to say very. <laughs> that's that's my ruling without even hearing the story. All right. How can I help you, sir? Well, I sent you a picture of some uh, college basketball players from back in the day. Yeah. And I was really hoping to see what you could do. There was You've 11 of them. You've done this before. You've sent me these pictures before. I'm impressed. You can and the usually... last time you did it, I went undefeated, right? You, I think you got them all, yeah. I got them all right. Yeah, yeah. Like a picture from the 1970s or 80s. Yeah, it's 80s. Well, in this case, I wasn't happy with my production. Oh. So I blamed it on it being small. <laughs> and I, I, I wrote back, I needed a bigger picture. The you dumbest didn't... thing I've ever heard. You said I, I needed... To I blow, to blow up, up. The, and I'm thinking yeah, to myself, I, I couldn't see some of the if faces. If you put your two fingers on an iPhone and spread them apart, it makes things bigger. I mean, come on, that's the most cockamamie thing I've ever heard. I actually tried to do that, and yeah. it went back to size. Oh, it did. Yeah, because I think I had to save it oh, into gotcha. my phone and yeah, yeah. then do it. Oh, you don't want to do that. Yeah. But I tried the the, yeah. the 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 whatever you call that yeah, the right. enlarging sure. process. And I, I kind of held my fingers that way for a while so it didn't snap back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I realized that I wasn't going to do any better in that that way. <laughs> then you bailed? <laughs> I figured maybe if I'm all quiet on the Western yeah, front. Yeah, no, not going to let it go. You're my college guy. I thought for sure you would have What year been. was that? I mean, and where did you get that picture? It was on Twitter. I don't know. I just saw it and I was like, oh, I'm going to send this to Mitch. But You really got seven? Yeah. Can you name the seven off the top of your head or no? You have to look at the picture. I might be wrong. But I swear I saw Dale Ellis. You did. Who had a dynamite low post game at Tennessee. Here, I got to give you the belt. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I remember hearing that once from Hubie Brown. Dale Ellis. <laughs> dynamite low post game at Tennessee. Okay. Uh, Jordan was in it. Easy. Ewing. That's three. Ralph. No. Oh, yeah. Sam- Ralph Sampson for four. Yeah. Was Perkins next to Ralph Sampson? Can't remember. I, it's not. A, it's not great. Yeah. Um, I'd have to look at the picture. I got those are the five I remember. Oh, Sam Bowie was on the front, right? That was definitely, easy. Definitely six, and then I think there was another. Was uh, Chris Mullen or something? There was another one. I can't remember. I don't know if if Chris Mullen was in it, I would have recognized. Chris okay, Mullen. then it wasn't I him. I didn't see Walter Berry. I think I might have seen John Sunvold out of Missouri, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that was John Sunvold because I, I looked it up. I didn't get. Oh, that so one. you know the answer? Yeah, you know the. So who was the guy? Who's the Who's the little white guy in the yeah. Virginia? Well, I think it was a Virginia. See, I couldn't even see it. Was he in a Virginia uniform? I think it was in the Memphis. Middle? I think it was a Memphis. A little white guy yeah. in the background? Yeah. That was Memphis? I, I think so. Oh, I, thought, I don't know. I'll look it up later and send yeah. them all to you. But. Yeah. Well, so I've, you've been stumped, I guess, is what I'm here to say. Or are you well, blaming I, it on the resolution? I am. I, it was not a clear enough picture. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> all right, fair oh. enough. <laughs> Can I tell everybody that Mitch Unfiltered's U.S. Open pool is up and running, and yes. all you got to do is go to Mitch Unfiltered. You know, we've done this the first, what, 
two. There's two more to go. We're doing it on all the majors. Fireside Home Solutions is kicking in, kicking in the 500 bucks and cash prizes and all kinds of stuff. We'll yep. we'll pay out the top 20 in some prize, some way, shape, or form. Maybe we'll get some uh, gift certificates and so forth. Um, MitchUnfiltered.com, top banner, Mitch's U.S. Open contest. Click it. It takes you to the Run My Pools page. It's all the same thing yep. as you did for the Masters and the PGA Championship. And what is the same thing? You pick. You pick five. You pick five golfers in the field. Any five you'd like. Yep. And then the first question is, your five have to make the cut. Right. All five have to make the cut at the U.S. Open this weekend at the the famed Torrey Pines Golf Links in uh, oh, outside yes. of San Diego. Oh, I know where it is. You don't have to tell me. It's, it's like it, but it is like a parlay bet. If you get four that make it, no. you're, you're out. Unless nobody gets five. Right. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You have to – the first thing that has to happen is your five must make the cut. No trunk slamming. No, at can't have trunk No slamming. trunk no, slamming no, no. at the U.S. Nah, Open. That's no good. If your five guys make the cut, then we add up their cumulative score, not not prize money. I've been I've been corrected okay. by Bill Sanders <laughs> at runmypools.com who yes. does a nice job and, 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 and devotes his site to us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not pri- – it's, it's aggregate score. So if you have – Five guys who make the cut, and they all finish one under. Your team finished five under. That gotcha. makes sense? Yep. yep. Okay? Yep. If you've got five guys, if you've got four guys who made the cut, and one of your guys won at 13 under, and you've got a, an 11 and a 9 oh, and an 8, you lose oh. to the guy who has five guys who made the cut and is minus and all of them minus one. Follow me? Sure do. Okay, you've got to make the cut. You're five, and this is really hard at the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open, the Masters is the easiest to do this, and the U.S. Open and the British Open are the hardest to do this. Hmm. Ask me why. Why is that? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> well, the British Open, sometimes they have the crazy wind, and uh, they play like Royal Troon or some it, old it, it, golf it course. It seems like it's not always the usual suspects. The oh, Masters okay. seems like you can count on, even though I didn't make the cut because I had Dustin Johnson, so I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. But it seems like the Masters, you pretty much know there's a group of guys that play well there every year. Okay. The U.S. Open, the British Open, it's, you know, some of the usual suspects will miss the cut and hmm. there'll be some guy up there or two or three guys up there that maybe you've never heard of. And it's just, it's it's more of a crapshoot. So. Okay. You go to MitchUnfiltered.com. It's presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Top prize, 500 bucks. Great. Okay. Top 20, get some sort of a prize, even if it's just a, a Mitch Unfiltered patron month or two. You go to MitchUnfiltered.com. You click the top banner. That will take you to our landing page. That will take you to Run My Pool. Very easy. Pick five guys and then follow them, all right? And if I'm not mistaken, if you've already signed up for Run My Pools. Yeah, it's already, you're already set. You're already set, right. So yeah, I still, I think I'd still go to... A, MitchUnfiltered.com and go to the page, but I don't right. know. I don't know exactly. But it'll send you to run my pools, and you don't have to create like a. No, whole, no, no. Yeah, Once you've, you've already, created a username right. and password, is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly right. Now, how do you enlarge? <laughs> God, I didn't even want to respond to that. <laughs> well, it turns out you put two. Not f- only did you not want to respond to that, <laughs> you didn't respond to yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't have it in me. Didn't well, have it in I me. I did to- what you wanted me to do, but it kept on popping back gotcha. down. And okay. at that at that point, I was like. Well, this is a great excuse. It's not. It's not enlarging. <laughs> I only know seven. I think I did get seven. Yeah, that's what I. I was on to. Well, well you, you, you. Well, you said you had gotten seven. So when I when I realized that I had gotten the same amount as you. Yeah. 
I called my therapist. Yeah, you should. It's a matter of fact. Although you got Sunvold, you weren't sure. Did you count him as one of your subs? Yes, I did. Oh, you did yeah. a guy you yeah. weren't sure of. You counted. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no, I because that's who I thought was. Oh, okay. I thought John Sunvold was in it. Yeah, yeah. He I was. remember John Sunvold in Missouri. There you go. I'll find so, out the other little white dude for you. I can't remember his name. There was a guy in the back. I don't know. Maybe he was, he was a trainer of the team. Or something. I feel like it was. He was in a small school. Remember how Hersey Hawkins oh. averaged like thirty-eight points for yeah. for uh huh huh uh huh. Hersey yes, don't Hawkins. Don't tell me. Huh? 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 He was a brave. Huh? I think he was a brave. Was he not a Bradley brave or no? Am I making... Was it Bradley? That doesn't sound right, but maybe... No? Oh, I might be wrong on that. If ooh, only there was a way ooh, to find out ooh. in this world. Did I, the... Do I have to edit that out? I thought that Hersey Hawkins was a Bradley brave. You might be right. Yeah, it was, I, remember, I remember it was a small Hersey Hawkins. Hersey Hawkins played at Bradley University. There you go. Nice work. But huh? yeah, so I, I think huh? that guy was the same kind of thing. Huh? Was he in there? No. Who? Was Was Hersey Hawkins in the picture? No, I'm saying that the other little dude you didn't know. I think yeah. he went to a small school. Anyway, okay. there you go. I'll figure it out. I don't out think him. Bradley's that small of a school, but all right. Well, it's not powerhouse it's a mid, blue It's a mid-major. It's a mid-major. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Listen, subscribe, and review us. This is episode 145. You can do it anywhere where podcasts are found pretty much. Apple Podcasts, we want you to rate and review us. We want you to hit a little subscribe button and, yep. and and be a subscriber and listen to our shows and hit play on all of our shows, even if you don't have the time to listen. It sustains us. It keeps us going if you want to keep us going. But if you want to spend a little bit more time and give us a one through five star rating and then review us like Seahawks 10177 okay. gave us five stars. Keep up the great work. I love the show. Started listening to you guys after the Seahawks win versus the Rams a couple years ago. And you guys talked about the ballet. Oh, yes. Question mark, question Must mark. Must have been a stressful game. They all are. Yeah. Love Scott and his Florida man stories as well. Been a patron since that day. Love it. Five Welcome. stars on the Apple podcast site. And DJ Doughboy gave us five stars. Okay. Really enjoyable. I don't know who the other guy is, but I really enjoy Hotshot Scott. <laughs> I completely agree with that guy. <laughs> Keep up the good work. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> that's great. There you go. DJ Doughboy. See, we so, actually read them on, on the show, so feel free yeah. to leave. We love the well, reviews. Well, that's why I read them, because I think if I if I read them, yeah. I give them credit, I will get more. There you go. We need more. We need more five-star ratings or anything, I guess. Ah, no, five-star ratings. Five-star, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, keep it to yourself. If you're uh, let's one see. Down. What else do I got here? Justin Attaboy for Hot Shot, Dear Mitch, with the recommendation of Mayor from Easttown. Well, you Mayor. and I. Mayor. Mayor. You don't like mayor. 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 Mayor from Easttown. Mayor yeah, I want to say it right. Easttown. Yes. We are on episode three, and the wife is all, quote, Scott is a genius for recommending this. Thank you. So Hot Shot has won a new fan in the Mitch Unfiltered, Unfiltered Faithful. And Richard, what's his name, can go pound sand. Thanks, George <laughs> and Kelly. Nice. That's what I'm and here I to told do. You, I told you, you recommended Mayor yep. <laughs> from Eastwood. That's right. On episode 144, and I think I told you on 144P for the patrons this past week, and by the way, become a patron by going to MitchUnfiltered.com for five bucks a month. You get the other shows too. Um, I think I told you that I have watched episode one. Yep. My wife watched episode one and immediately threw her hands up and said, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, and I don't think it was a function of, I don't like the acting, I don't like the story, it's not sure. well done. I think my wife is of the mindset, and I am a little bit too, that we're just kind of done with dark, dark things. Yeah, it's heavy. Things that make you feel bad. Yep. We want things that are uplifting, so 
Yeah. yeah. Well, that your wife did one more episode than mine, so I can't complain. She won't even watch it. Oh, no. Not, no. Why? She won't even try it. Well, we only watch TV at night, like I said. Yeah, and yeah. she doesn't want to go to bed with like bad stuff in her head. Yeah. She just, she just, but she, how does she know? I, like The two of us didn't even know what we were getting ourselves into. Well, we had I mean, to watch episode one to understand how dark it was. I think she knew because it wasn't on Bravo or it wasn't a Hallmark movie. I think those were the first two clues. If it's not on Bravo or a Hallmark movie, she ain't watching it. That's it. I always wanted to say something like, you know, this Kate Winslet is one of our great actresses. <laughs> one of the great actresses we have here <laughs> yeah. today. She's very good. She's it's very a, good. She's, incre- you, she's I, very, I, very good. I said before, you forget like, oh yeah, I forgot. She's just like a movie star. Yeah. Like big time heavyweight movie star. She's so, so good in it. So I liked it, although I was bummed by it. Yeah. She didn't want anything to do with it after the first episode. So now I've got to figure out how to start watching. How many more do I have? Six. So there's seven total. Correct. The problem is, you know, I don't watch on phones and devices and so forth. Yeah. I watch on TV and that's kind of our thing. Yeah. So now I'm kind of stuck. I got to figure out when she's like, when she goes to sleep or when she's doing a project, I got I to gotta wait for, because it's not nice if Mitch puts on Mayor of Eastwood. <laughs> yes, East Town, but yes. East Town, uh-huh. knowing that my wife is sitting in the same room and she doesn't really want to watch it. She might want to watch something else. Oh, you guys have one TV in this enormous house. That's right. I forgot. Can't you go to another room? Yeah, but no, I don't want to do that. I mean, that's not nice. I can't. I can't just get up and leave her. And she's dying for your company twenty four hours a day. I don't think she's gonna care if you have you slide out for an hour. You haven't been around me very much. (laughs) That's right. Come on. You should get back into it now. I have to tell you. No, no, I don't have to get back into it. I'm still in it. Okay. It was just this past week. I've seen one. It doesn't get any less like bummery though. I mean, it's oh really? Well, I mean, it's it's a dark premise. So yeah, all of them get kind of yeah. They're all heavy. So just know it's not uplifting. I'll tell you what she watched and we all watched. That she liked. I'll give you a recommendation. Oh, I'm ready. Are you aware of this new movie called In the Heights? In the Heights. It's now out in theaters, but it's also on HBO Max. I guess you can do this now. Oh, I love HBO it's a Max. Brand, it's a musical. Do you like musicals? Do you do musical? No. No. It's a musical? It's a musical. It's a Lynn uh, Manuel. Oh, yeah. Uh, Miranda. Miranda Manuel. Yeah. You know, it's a. The guy that did it's uh, cut, Hamilton. It's, it's cut from the Hamilton Claw. Okay, well, then it's probably really good. Because he's incredible, from what I hear. She, she, well, she, he kind of did the music, I think. Okay. She liked that. Okay. My son liked that, and that's very, very uplifting. What? It's fun. It's Brett liked musical. It? Uh, Brett did not watch it. Okay. I have another Sunday <laughs> Max. He liked right. it. Okay. Good. I walked out in the middle. <laughs> and you're recommending it to me? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not opposed to like musical theater, but I was musical tired. movies is a little tough. It's just really? different. I, I, I don't mind going. Like I go see Wicked and Rent and Book of Mormon, my, all that stuff. But My I'm, father, may movie? he rest in peace, always said he never saw an ugly baby or a bad musical. Well, I should have taken him to Yankee Doodle <laughs> Dandy. <laughs> we left an intermission. That was shit. <laughs> Believe Who's me. Who's we? My wife and I. You left? A Yankee, Yankee Doodle, Doodle Dandy was oh, rough. I'm a Yankee yes. Doodle swing. Oh, James Cagney. So bad. And I like the theater. I like musicals. That was where really was rough. this? Fifth Avenue Theater in you Seattle. Walked yeah, out? You walked out. I've it, never. It got better. <laughs> I'm sure it did. Yes. I, I've only walked out of one movie in my life. Like yeah. I'm kind of cheap. I walked that out way. of Star Wars. It, yeah, yeah. Second one. Yeah. That would be called Empire Strikes Back. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, but if I, if I pay, I kind of want to get my money's worth. I've only walked out of one movie and one musical. Yankee. That was rough. I think your dad would have agreed. With me. No, he loved. He loved James. He loved Yankee Doodle Dandy. 
He loved Yankee Doodle he Dandy. He did? Yeah, he thought Yankee Doodle Dandy was like a an institution. Well, it kind of is. James Cagney movie. Uh, I think James Cagney was I don't the know. star. Yeah, it, it is. It's like a chorus line. It's one of those. Oh. Uh, I know. You love a chorus line, too. I'd probably walk out of that. Oh. <laughs> All right, anyway. Uh, let's see here. Um, Mike writes, as I understand, nudity is no longer illegal in the city of Seattle. I guess this is from your bike story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Last week. Um, that, that can't be true. Maybe just they have a window. Mike, if Mike says it, it's got to be true. As I understand, nudity is no longer... Mike's been streaking down the... Steps, and he hasn't gotten thrown in jail yet, okay. so it must not be. Uh, as I understand it, nudity is no longer illegal in the city of Seattle, as long as it isn't sexual by nature, writes Mike. If you Google Denny Blaine Park in the Leshy area, it is a clothing optional beach within the city limits. For Mike. I mean, no one's told him it's not. <laughs> Just let the guy go. Is he the only guy naked yes, on the beach? he is. <laughs> uh, dear Mitch, love the Mark Madsen stories about Shaq and Kobe on awesome. episode 144. Have to admit, I like this email, have to admit I almost skipped that one during my busy week. I was like, why would Mitch interview him? Love how you get these guys to tell stories that we've never heard before. Now, please let Scott do Florida man stories. See, those are the best. Which I think is all this guy really wanted yeah. to write about. <laughs> He's buttering you up at first, but those are the best ones. The ones you're like, well, I don't know. What do I know about this guy or this woman? So those are the best ones. When I get these guests on, and I think I tweeted about this last week. When I get these guests on. I explain to them before we start. Now, sometimes they take the ball and run, and sometimes it's not their nature to do it, so I, I we fail. But like with Mark Matson, I will literally have a conversation with him before we start rolling. Okay. Here's what this podcast is all about, and here's what I want this. We like stories. Yeah. We like stories we've never heard about. You don't have to worry about being long-winded. Nobody tells a longer story than me. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, you, we can edit it at the end. I'm just kind of going to lead you to water. I just want you to tell stories. We want to hear stories. Yeah. And and I try to get that I, got, I try to get our guests thinking. Okay, I'll tell and I think it worked with Mark Matson. He told a couple of Kobe stories that were great about meeting him for the first time and the Shaq story about my, taking him shopping and my everything favorite. else. The, awesome, right? Shaq walking in the locker room and saying, "Who the hell's driving that hunk of crap out in the parking lot?" <laughs> like Shaq at the height of his powers physically, right. financially, right. you know, right. completely loaded. Right. right. I, I love that. And See, also, I love Mark saying, you know, uh, you get drafted, but then you don't get your paycheck for a couple of months. You don't like, even think about you that. You don't think about that. No. And so he's, he's driving, driving around <laughs> this hunk of crap minivan. He's in the freaking NBA. Shaq brought him to the, he was going to pay for his car. He's going to put the down payment down right, for him. Right. Incredible. Those are the types of stories. I say this all the time, and I know it's going to sound like, oh, he's anti-radio. I'm not anti-radio at all. I hope everybody supports radio. But when I was doing the show and when anybody's, you can't really do segments like that. Am no, I wrong about that? You cannot. Because by the time Mark Madsen starts the first part of his story, you got to take a break. Right. The commercials jump in. And I and, and so when people are like, you got to do a podcast. You got to do a podcast, Mitch. I was like, I don't really want to do a podcast. When I kind of mentally got over the hurdle of doing a podcast, yeah. I was like, okay, I want to do certain things if we're going to do a podcast. A, I want to. I don't want to be limited to completely sports. I want to be able to wander away and talk about business and sure. talk about Amazon, pop and culture, whatever. Talk going about on. Yeah. war heroes and sure. just things that interest me. That's my first thing. And the second thing is, I want it to be storytelling. I want guests to come on. Mark Madsen. He had a. I don't mean any disrespect. He had. He was a great college player at Stanford. Great. He did nothing in the NBA except for dance right. when Shaq was rapping. Right? He did nothing. But here's a guy who's now a coach of a college, small college team in Utah, right? 
And he's got stories about meeting Kobe, playing with Kobe and Shaq, stories you've never heard before. Yep. And guys like that, we, I, I, I could listen to those types of guys every single day. I and love those types of stories. In a way, it's almost better than getting the big name in a way, because you, you know everything, right? You kind of know everything, and, right. and these guys are kind of willing right. to be a little more candid sometimes too, and they have a different different angle, different aspect. I don't know. It's more interesting to me, I think, than it's just kind of real life ish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe that's like, it. You can like relate the, to it more. Like the guests on this this show, episode one forty five. Now you've heard Joe Fan before, over and over again on the Seahawks No Table. You know Brady Anderson, Joe Fan, and I. We do the Seahawks yep. No Table. Well, here's one for you. Joe Fan announces he lost his job this week. Did you see that? Saw that, yeah. It dried up. He's given uh, a, a couple more weeks, and he's done. He's out. He's literally, if he's not the best Seahawks kind of beat reporter, social media guy, revs up Seahawks. Seahawks fans love this guy. Yeah. Out of a job. Like that. Just before the season starts. Out of a job. Because of some unique set of circumstances with regard to NBC Sports Northwest. So I said to myself, well, we just had Joe Fan on talking Seahawks, but... I want to get him on if he's willing to tell us the story. Yeah. What happened? Right. When did they tell you? Why? Well, you know, what's the problem? What are you going to do next? Right. What can we do for you on Mitch Unfield? You know, so he's going to tell the story. Great. On episode 145. He's not on to talk about the Seahawks, although I will ask him about this, the, the Russell Wilson thing from last week. He finally spoke about, oh, yeah. and you and I should talk a little bit about that in, in segment number one. But our buddy Joe Fan, NBC Sports Northwest, is just going to get into why he lost his job. And I think most people... And it's hard. Most people can relate. Oh. Right? I mean, right. who hasn't lost a job in their life? Yeah. It's pretty I, rare. I'm not sure I can relate to Shaq taking me for a car. <laughs> yeah, that I can't relate to either. No. <laughs> uh, but I can relate to losing losing your job. Uh, yeah. I think we both can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, our buddy Joe Fan will talk about what happened at NBC Sports Northwest. Okay. You've, you've heard about Stephon Gilmore. Everybody, I think, knows by now about Stephon Gilmore. 2019 player, defensive player of the year in all the NFL. Great corner for the New England Patriots. Mm -hmm. Final year of his contract. There's some question as to whether he's going to report for minicamp, mandatory minicamp. He's in the final year. He wants a new contract. The Patriots may not want to give him one. He didn't play as great last year. He's 30 okay. years old, and the Seahawks need him. Right. We want him here. More than Julio Jones, we want him here. Now, if Julio Jones had been traded to the Seahawks, we want Julio Jones. Right? <laughs> right, exactly right. But we want Stephon Gilmore. So I thought I'd get a Patriots insider, Tom King, to tell us the nitty-gritty. What's going on? Yeah. What are the chances he's going to be traded? If he is traded, where will he go? If he's traded, what do they want right. for a guy who's only got one year left on his contract? How much money does he want for a new contract? All the stuff. Yep, a lot if you're of a Seahawks fan and you want to know about Stephon Gilmore, or if you're an NFL fan about the, the inside scoop, Tom King follows the Patriots better than anybody. And then uh, story number three, I love this story. I just love story number three, segment number three, or interview segment number three. Florida doctor, Florida man. You're allowed to. Flor okay, I see. No, well, listen. Florida doctor um, collects cards as a kid, memorabilia cards. Okay. He was born in the 1940s. All right. Late 40s. He collects cards as a kid, has a lot of great ones. Mom throws them all away. Oh. When he goes to college. Okay. My mom threw all our cards away, too. And we had 60s and 70s cards between my three brothers. I, I, mean, I think a lot of moms have thrown a lot of cards away. I stupidly put all my rookie cards for football cards and baseball. Yeah. I put all my good cards in one binder. Yeah. Threw it away. Stepmom. Stepmom. To make it, it worse. Not even blood. <laughs> to make it worse. Okay, so guess what I have two huge binders of in my garage? 
all my football cards with no rookie cards in there. Jesus. I have the leftovers. Even it's it's almost worse. I wish that all three would have got thrown out. You got the scraps. I had a Joe Montana. Oh. I had like ten Jerry Rice. Oh. I had them all. I used to work at this little place called the Preston General Store. Still there. Yeah. I was twelve years old working yeah. there, yeah. and the owner was so cool. He would let me buy a box of football cards at cost. You know, whatever it cost him and not That's charge nice. me that. Yeah. Very nice. Nice. So I'd have a full box of football. It was like the greatest day of my life when those things would come in. Oh. I'd go home, open them all, smell oh. the gum. Oh. I, but I, I did it in like 84 and 85 and 86. So yeah. think about how yeah, many yeah. rookies. Yeah. Kills me. Okay. So this guy, this guy collects them in the late 40s, 50s and gets a nice little collection going. Mother throws him away. Goes to college, becomes a doctor. I think a neurologist in Florida. Okay. Becomes an adult. And a father and decides, you know what? I'm going to start. I'm going to go ahead and start collecting again. I'm going to start from scratch wow. and go get some of these cards and others. Now he's a professional and he's a he's a well-to-do professional. And he has a kid and he takes his kid. And every summer, all he wants to do, this adult, this doctor, he wants to take a two-week or three-week vacation and go to conventions, card shows around sure. the country. Yeah. So he drags this little kid around the country, <laughs> his son, around the country. His son's like, why? Well, all right. Well, and he starts collecting. He collects for 40 years. This past January, this doctor died of COVID, COVID-19 related. Wow. 73 years old, died. Okay. Left his baseball card collection and football card collection to that son and his sibling, the son that he dragged around. Okay. It's now the, the most valuable private collection in the history of baseball cards. Wow. And it is now online, which will now fetch... 25 million or more dollars. The son is on this show. His name is Stuart Newman. Wow. All right. The, fa the father's name was Thomas Newman. A part of it is a 1916 Babe Ruth card. A 19 the only 1933 Babe Ruth card of its kind in mint condition. It's Holy that crap. card itself is going to get between five and six million dollars. It's all on auction for the next 30 days. They are going his his father. And by the way, his father wanted him to do this okay. when he passed away. He wanted the family to sell the cars to collectors and recoup the money, whatever. He didn't even know he, he never sold a card in his life. The father the father just oh kept, all gosh. he did was go around and buy cards, buy Babe Ruth cards whatever, for 40 years. And now it's the single most precious collection private collection of baseball cards in the world this guy's on the show it's incredible that's just incredible that he started over i would have gone eh, i don't know i'm not starting over wow this poor kid you know we just wanted to go swimming <laughs> right yeah but how did it work out you happy you went <laughs> <laughs> did it work out okay for uh, you there fella so uh oh. stewart newman is uh, is segment number three nice. interview segment number three all right episode 145 Love, love, love our fabulous partners at Mitch Unfiltered like Jordan Flowers and his team at the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Amazing. Not only did I receive a Dan Marino signed Dolphins helmet for my birthday, but they continue saving unfiltered listeners lots of money on your monthly mortgage payments. It's as simple as a seven-minute call. Get the new numbers, 425 250 
3150 the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof, evergreengk.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, uniquely Northwest, with the best craft beer selection you will find anywhere. And by the way, you can have your favorite beer delivered to your door by downloading the Zeke's Pizza app open Memorial Day weekend in Bellingham and many more locations are coming homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler continues its resurgence. Spend Father's Day this Sunday at the best the Northwest has to offer. And Daniel's Broiler is now selling their popular old-fashioned cocktail mixer on Amazon all over the country and offering a bottle to all Mitch Unfiltered listeners at 20% off at Amazon. Promo code Mitch l20 at amazon.com and john waterstrat at fireside home solutions great partners sponsoring our u.s open pool which is up and running right now at mitchunfiltered.com offering prizes to the top 20 finishers plus cash to the winner firesidehomesolutions.com this is episode 145 and it begins right now unfiltered everybody else is making millions of dollars off of me right. and my jerseys everybody yes. my school is making money the Big ncaa business. i'm i'm making millions of, and i've got 65 dollars. so yeah. yes a guy offers me three grand to sign autographs i'm going to do it yep. unfiltered he wants kind of edge rusher 20 million dollars a year the seahawks are like we'll make you the highest paid safety because guess what that's what you are yes right. you do sack the quarterback and we love you for that yeah we spent a fortune to get you but we're not giving you anything more than the best we're not we're not going to say okay the, the highest paid safety gets 15 so we're going to give you 20 mitch is unfiltered Episode 145 is now officially underway. Don't forget, U.S. Open contest yes. is underway. Even if you know nothing about golf, doesn't cost anything to play. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com, click on the top banner. You've got until Thursday's first tee-off time, whenever that is. It's yep. on the West Coast, Torrey Pines. You pick five golfers. They all must make the cut. Cash prize from Fireside Home Solutions. Thank you to John yeah. for the winner. And top 20 prize, prizes for the top 20 finishers, Okay. Uh, you got anything before I, I get a ruling from you? A mean is Mitch too mean spirited a ruling from you? Well, I don't have anything that, that's better than that. I mean, I want to hear about this. You know, as you know, I, I love Judge Judy. Like I've seen it. You just, are now Judge Judy. Okay, yeah. So I'm the perfect okay. person for this. Okay. Sorry. All right. So, don't so, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's Randon. All right. Let, let's go. <laughs> Come on. I got them all from her. Before we get to <laughs> Russell Wilson, um, so Saturday, my wife and I are in the car and she says we need to go back to Costco we need to go to Costco I have a box of stuff that I want to return okay you ever returned anything at Costco I've never returned anything at Costco my life is returning things at Target okay but not at Costco no well I have I think but okay my wife's the kind of person that buys like three different sizes knowing she's gonna have to go back <laughs> for two of them I would just does she go back or send you back it's always me it's always <laughs> me that has to go back so yes I'm the king of returns okay. and I don't want to be okay so we 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 spend Saturday going back to Costco with the box, and we're going to return the items. Okay. And we get there, and there is a line, a return line oh, yeah. that's out the door of the. We're in the Redmond Costco, okay. which I've never been to before. Redmond Costco out the little door 
around the side. It's like oh. I'm going on. It's a small world again. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I got this box. And, of course, it's stuff that she wants to return. And like probably every wife, we get into the line. It's a long-ass line. And she hands me the box and says, okay, you stay here. I got to go to the bathroom inside. I'll meet you back. Comes back with a hot dog, a little <laughs> Sunday, <laughs> A chicken bake. That's right. Oh, those are delightful. <laughs> so I'm standing in the line. Okay, and she leaves. Okay. She goes into the, into the store. And I'm now outside in this Disney World type of line. Sure. And I'm bored. Okay. I got a box. Yeah. You know, it's sunny out. It's Saturday, not Sunday. And... I'm just standing there. I can't even really even look at my phone because I got the box in both arms. Okay. Pretty big box. And I'm bored. I'm looking for something to do. There's a woman in front of me. And by the way, we're all wearing masks. Okay. That's important to the story. All right. There's a woman in front of me who, when I got into the line, was there with her husband. And then her husband left. I don't know if she went with my wife, but but (laughs) he, he left and left her in the line to return an item. And she is right in front of me. She's got a mask on. She's probably 35 or 40, dark haired woman. Okay. And she's in front of me in this long ass line. And we're moving very slowly, very slowly. But as you know, just a few minutes go by, I look back and there's a lot of people behind us. I mean, we're oh. now in the middle. I mean, it's a long line. Yeah. And I'm bored. <laughs> so I decided to pull a shenanigan. Uh-oh. So this woman right in front of me takes a couple of steps out to her right, out of the line, just a couple of steps to peek around the major opening of a Costco because we're at a door. We're going in a door, if that makes sense. And right next to the door is the big kind of garage, you know, the opening. And she wanted to look, maybe she was looking for her husband. Maybe she was wondering if her husband was my wife. I I don't know. she, She just veered out. Like nobody, I mean, you wouldn't think she was leaving the line. Okay. But she veered out and she was clearly from her physical, like worried that, like I would think she's leaving the line. Yeah, I know those people. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she takes like literally three steps and peeks around. And when she takes, I see her kind of looking back. I decide to walk right into her space. <laughs> okay. And but- as soon as I do, she no, no, sir, sir, Cinder, no, 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 sir, yeah. no, sir. I, I, I just wanted to look around. I'm still in line. I'm still in line. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't say a word. I just looked at her with my eyes and I moved back. To allow her in. Okay. Not one word. About 30 seconds later, she does it again. Yeah. Thinking now, okay, I've explained to this dude (laughs) that I'm just looking around. Yes, unless he's dense, he'll understand. I immediately walk back into her space. God, that's so you. (laughs) And I'm I'm smiling underneath the mask. She can't see it. The mask is key to the story. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, sir, sir. I'm, I'm not leaving the line. <laughs> right. I don't say a word. I just take a step back and let her oh back in. God. One last time. This time, she looks around the corner, and she may have gone out four feet, six feet, instead of five feet. Okay. I walk right into her space. Oh, my gosh. And she puts her arms up this time, and she's like, dude, yeah. what's your, what is your freaking problem? Right. And I finally open my mouth, and I say the following. Nope. The last few times you went four feet, this last time you went a fifth foot, you're now officially out of the line. You'll have to, you've surrendered your spot in the line. You'll have to go to the back. Oh my gosh. Wait, did you have the Mitch Unfiltered mask on? No, no. Okay, Okay, go ahead. I just want to make sure. I think that's essentially what I said. Okay. 
No, no, no. This time you've gone to. And by the way, this is the first time I've spoken. Right. She's been speaking to me. Nope. You went too far this time, ma'am. Oh, my God. You're now out of the line. You're going to have to go back. Yeah. You've surrendered your spot in line. And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I said to her, okay. Okay, one last time. <laughs> You're all put off by it. Okay, like, okay one last favor. time. And yeah. I said it kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, one last time. Let the baby I, have his bottle. And here. I stepped yeah. back. And when I tell you she got in line. Yeah. And she didn't move a hair <laughs> sure. for the rest of the time. She was, and she's veering over her shoulder. Yeah. And whatever. It's crazy. I, <laughs> I thought I would. So the, the ruling Judge Judy is, my wife's like, Please, t- so my wife comes back, by the way. Okay. The, the, the PS to this story, which is fabulous. My wife comes back just as we're getting to the front, of course. Right. Yeah, she's probably, you know, she's she's who knows? Yeah, she's got a little ice doing. cream or whatever. Yeah. She comes right back as soon as we're coming to the front. So this woman is going to one counter and I'm going to the other. And my wife notices she gave you, that woman just gave you a freaking stink. She has no idea. Your wife what noticed I, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She gave me the, wow. the stink eye from hell. That must have been some look. <laughs> if your wife noticed it and she doesn't know anything about the story. So I then That's tell crazy. her, so then she really does have a hot dog. Yeah. And I really do have a chicken bake. And we sit down and I tell her the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she says, tell me you told her you were kidding. Yeah, I'm what's kind tell of Tell me, that. tell me you told her you were kidding. I was like, no, I never really did. But I thought my intonation when I was like, okay. I'll let you have a, and she's like, Mitchell, you're wearing a mask. She has no, she doesn't know you. She doesn't know you to know that intonation. Please tell me you told the woman that you were kidding. And I was like, no, I never, I never did. Oh my God. (laughs) I love it. But I, but I was obviously kidding by letting her back in the line. Wasn't I? Obviously. No, no, obviously no. But how about. Okay, I'll let you back this time. Kind of in a playful man. Okay. She doesn't know you like that. She doesn't know you. Okay, I have so a, f- a few uh, things here. Okay. First of all, I, I think I lost. First of all, I have that in me to do that as well, to like deadpan stuff that people people who don't know me very well, yeah. they don't know which way to take it. Yeah. And my wife hates it because I, I love doing it. She hates it. Yeah, I love doing it. Like oh. for, for instance, I just got thrown on this softball parent text thread. And there's a woman on there that I know really well named Karen. Karen and but there's a lot of parents I've I don't I've never met that I had to get through so Karen says something out and I write back wait a minute I who said Karen could have my cell number okay Karen knows me but other parents don't and my wife's like why (laughs) why do you have to do that kind of stuff you look like a jerk for people luckily some people like laugh whatever but so I have that in me too I love it okay I love it but that being said that being said mean-spirited just know that in 2021, people are walking around Earth at level red already, right? It's, we've, it's been a rough year. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do, break the ice here. Okay. <laughs> you did a hell of a job. I think not not letting her in on it, I think, is a little mean-spirited. I, I do. I, I thought I was letting her in on it by saying, okay, you can have it this time or whatever. No? I'm going to say no. I think you should have let her in on it. Because clearly she's shot you daggers. What should, I, what should I have said? Oh, I just like laugh. Like, oh, I was, I'm to- I've been totally kidding this whole time. Just something. But the fact that she just thinks you're some weird guy <laughs> who has some weird guy who's got like a fetish with lines. He's got some weird line rules. Like, you got to be careful in public. People are losing their minds these days. You see it all the time.
I, sports fans are back in stadiums and we're back to beating the shit out of each other. I saw <laughs> yeah, a Suns yeah, versus Nuggets yeah. fight. Like, yeah. you know, we're back. Yeah. But people are. We've seen a few of those. People yeah. are walking around it. They're already at okay. level red. So you got to be. So I'm, now what do I do? You gotta, yeah, now you got to find this woman and apologize shit. to her. If you were at Costco in Redmond, Washington. Hot shot. <laughs> I'll put the story away by telling you this. Those three, this all happened in a course of, it took me 15 minutes to tell the story, of course, because I tell a long story. <laughs> but these these things happened like all in a matter of two minutes, 120 seconds. She went out, she came in, she went out, she came in. I said what I said, yeah, yeah. she got in, and then she was, uh, they were the most, ple- they were the best two minutes of my weekend. <laughs> My week of my month. (laughs) They were so fun. Her reaction was so fun. And I I actually said this to my wife. I would literally, and and this is not like, like if you offered me right now, if I could pay you $100 to be able to see her seeing her husband for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Worth it. Totally worth it. Oh, totally. Oh, my God. I would, maybe 500. (laughs) Maybe 500. I, I, I might. I might pay five hundred just to see. I yeah. would love. You're not going to believe see. what happened. You're not. There's I, I, I want. I want to hear the. Yeah, I want to yeah, yeah. hear her tell the story. See, I, I love the awkwardness too. Oh God. I, Saturday, uh, Saturday, Saturday night. I walked my I daughter feel down. Terrible now. I walked my daughter to I meet some friends. She would know by the intonation. I walked my daughter down to meet some friends with some parents I've never met, and I, they're watching a parade. And I said, "Hey, yeah. my, can my daughter hang you guys? Whatever." I go, you know, honestly, to be frank, I've had enough of her this weekend. I just kind of want to pawn her off on someone. I just deadpanned it. I, this woman doesn't know me. And then, luck, and then I kind of chuckled a little bit. But the difference is I let her in on it. Well, I, you didn't let the woman in on it. Well, I think if the mask wasn't on, she would definitely be in on it. Unless you just deadpanned it. No, or, I couldn't deadpan. I mean, I was smiling. You, I was, okay. I was... I, I had I was entertaining myself. <laughs> I was so entertained by the whole thing. I yeah, can't yeah. even tell you. I just felt so lo- alive at that moment. Yeah, well, you've been in the house a long time, so it doesn't take much these days. Yeah, twenty five years. I <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Maybe, maybe I ta- I, if the lady's listening, yeah. or anybody who knows the lady at Costco in the return line at Redmond, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I just I had so much fun. Her reaction was so beautiful. It was so priceless. Yeah. And I would have never thought to do it if I didn't see this like fearfulness yep. the first time that she was like, am I going to lose my spot in the line if I just peek around the corner? I could see it. I sensed it. You sensed it, it and oh, you pounced. I, oh, yes. it was like blood. A yeah, shark yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this this woman's going to be, this is going to be fantastic. The next three minutes are going to be great. The grocery store uh, version of that is the people who are get really vigilant about putting the little divider down between groceries. You know what I'm talking about on the, on oh, the yeah. belt? Yeah, I do that, yeah. Oh, see, it kind of, I do or I don't sometimes. But they are like they. There's no way they're paying for my <laughs> mustard. There's no chance that's happening. I mean, they are just. They get really concerned that all my groceries are going to somehow fly over the scanner and they're going to get stuck all with right. the bill. So Judge Judy's reaction is, I was wrong. You should have let her in on it. Okay. Yep. Officially let her in on it. But I'm with you. I'd love to see the video of her talking to her husband for the first time. It'd been so awesome. You're not gonna believe what happened. This gray-haired guy behind. Oh, sorry. Over the gray hair, but. This gray hair guy behind me, <laughs> he kept moving up. I was trying to look. I told him three times, I'm not, I'm not leaving. You wouldn't believe it. I would have loved to see that video. So great. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe her husband's listening uh, or she's listening and we'll have him on to talk about it. And you can, you, uh, then you can sleep once you let her in on it. Anyhow. All right. Russell Wilson finally talks. Did you watch? First, uh, first media session since all of the hullabaloo around the offseason. Yeah. This is unfiltered. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So. My reaction when you texted me and asked if I watched it, yeah. my first reaction was, I have no interest. 
and watching what he has to say because he never gives us anything. That being said, I watched it. Ooh. I watched you know, it. No, that's fair. What you just said was and fair. He I, never gives us anything. He never does. And I, I, I can't, I, I had no desire, no desire to watch it. He's, it was honestly, it was excruciating for me to listen to. I was really? listening because I was doing, trying to grocery shop and multitask. Yeah. yeah. He's not insightful. He's inauthentic. He's not interesting. He's not funny. He's a great guy, but he's not any of those things. Yeah, but what, you what, what be, do people think you wouldn't you're be get funny over this, would you? But he thinks he's funny. He, I can tell. He, he he thinks he's he thinks he's like charismatic and funny, and then he's he just speaks to me like I'm a camper at one of his camps. His platitudes, dry, they and he's so proud of himself when he says them. He's got like a little smile on his face. Like I I, I wrote a couple down. I, I got to find where they are. Um, oh, he was talking to Softy of all people. Do you remember? He said. Softy asked him a question. He said, you know what fixes all that, don't you, Dave? Winning. Yeah. And then he kind of like smiled like, oh, I'm so cool. Yeah. He, he, I think, that, by the way, I think, and I want to talk about that. I think that the comment was winning heals everything. You know what heals everything? Yeah. Winning. Oh. Heals everything. Yeah, I want to talk about that here in a second. And yeah. who, who knew he knew Softy's yeah. first name? He called him Dave. That, that part was the biggest part that I, I took away from all this. I didn't know he even, <laughs> even knew no Dave's okay. name. Dave actually asked a good question. Yeah. Why wait four months to, to, to talk tell about us. this if yeah if you didn't like it and i'm thinking wait if you didn't like it but you didn't fire your agent i'm trying to do the math here on whether you are in on this or not okay well i i think we know we it, uh, don't okay. think we do know you didn't ask for a trade right plausible deniability as i right. look at it right you, we could ask your dad that if i'm using that correctly right plausible deniability he didn't ask his agent did but i'm no. still well okay i don't believe that actually. okay he didn't ask for a trade what he said but i have 14 i have a list of four teams i actually that's the one part of the the press conference that i'm willing to buy well but why the list because he was unhappy and he heard i know for i know for a fact well i don't know for a fact i shouldn't say that i take that back i have heard over and over again that he never did ask for a trade but that doesn't mean he didn't want to be traded. That doesn't mean that he didn't desire to go somewhere else. And that didn't mean doesn't mean that when he started hearing that maybe they would take some calls, that he wouldn't give them the four teams that he'd like to play for. But I don't think he ever called or his agent ever called and said, we want to be traded. Because I don't think that he would ever do that. He's too... He's because if that got out, yeah. he's too image conscious to ever be that player that demands a trade. But doesn't the list I, I'm hurt not, him? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt him. Okay. And I'm not suggesting that again that he didn't want to be traded. Okay. I don't think he ever requested a trade. So I think when he stood up there the other day and said, "I never requested a trade," I actually believe that to be true. I believe that to be true. Okay. My my biggest issue with this, and this is going to be very naive, very very naive. But look, I'm the guy in the Costco line who makes one of the guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> He played it down. Overall, he played it down. Oh, did he? He did call it, you know, unfortunate frustrations after we lost. But he played it down. I love it here. I've always wanted to be here the rest of my life. And Pete Carroll played it down. And and look, I don't want to spend too much time on this because, because maybe we already have. There's going to be a lot of listeners. There's, there are a lot of Seahawks fans that just don't want to hear about this. They don't want to hear about this. They don't think any of it was true. That it was all a media oh. ruse and, and, you know, the whole thing. But I just I, – I happen to I happen to kind of know that there was something. There was something there. He was frustrated. He was annoyed. He didn't like the way he was being. 
he was being handled or being heard or not being heard. I know that there was frustrations from him to them. Which and is I, his right. To, it's his right to be frustrated. Yeah, and, I, that, and that's where I'm kind of going. Somewhere along the line, somebody decided, some consultant like 40 years ago, 50 years ago, when media became media, yeah. somebody decided that it's best to play down real-life controversies, mm. that you should never accept real... You should do everything you can in press conferences to diffuse, that, to pretend that these things never really happen and make it about the media. Make it. Somebody decided that. I don't know what the... I'd like to have that consultant on to tell that story. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know who that person is. He's probably dead now, or she's probably dead now. But somewhere along the line, it was just determined that when there are frustrations between two parties, don't ever admit to it. Because God forbid, and this is me, I know, being naive, who, what's the big deal with Russell Wilson saying, yeah, I was pissed at them for a while. I was pissed at them for a while. I was irrational. Yeah. I was angry about losing to the Rams at home. Yep. I was at the Super Bowl watching Tom Brady play for the 46th time. Right. And I was I was a little immature and I and I yeah, I, I was frustrated, but I'm fine now. Okay, it took me it took me some months. I've cooled down. And what's wrong with Pete Carroll saying, Yeah, he was frustrated. We were frustrated with him, yep. but we we're fine now and we're gonna play. Is it, such a, is it such a horrible thing? <laughs> there was some friction. It's, we worked it out. It's as if nobody has ever been frustrated with anybody else in this <laughs> right. world in our lives. Like, what? Well, why? You're not allowed to be frustrated why? as an NFL well, player. Exactly yeah. what can... Now, somebody yeah. might say, well, that would open a big can of worms if he admitted that. Well, what? You know, it's funny. You take accountability. You take responsibility. Here's what I did. Here's what I did. Here's how I felt. I don't feel that way anymore. Right. But I was... I was... I was... I was being sensy poo at that. What's the big deal? I mean, it would be human, right? right? Oh, I would love it. I would and, love it. And, and it would actually, for media, would be like, whoa, okay, we have nothing more to ask now. It would go away. The softies would not have anything more to ask. <laughs> but instead, everybody's got, oh, we got to pretend there was nothing and it was all you guys making this out of it. And, oh, I gave them four teams, but I didn't really, that was a ju- oh. I mean, why can't we just say, I know. hey, we were, we were pissy at each other right. for a few minutes. Relationships, friends get pissed. Lifelong friends, right? Seventy-year friends, they get yes. mad at each other for a couple weeks. Family members. Well, what? I know. What's the big deal? I know. And by the way, I know this is so naive, but whatever. This is so high stakes to the NFL. Like, of course, there's going to be friction from time to time. This is high stakes. We're talking about a lot of money's involved it, on the line. It would actually, if he actually got up there and said what I'm saying, he should have said. It would have actually made people like you say. Finally, yep, that's exactly right. Hey, he's. Yep. I, I'm. I want my quarterback to be all pissy after he loses to the Rams at home in the first round of the playoffs when Tom Brady's playing at the Super Bowl and he's up there in the booth with a freaking commissioner and Sierra. I want our guy. I don't want our guy to be all happy and well, nothing's wrong. Yeah. We'll, I'll just go to the Oscars and red carpet stuff. It, it, it actually may. It would actually make us feel better about him. I think it a would. lot of us. Now, to be fair to Russell, he did say he was pissed watching the Super Bowl. He did say yeah, that. Yeah. 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 So I mean that. that yeah. and he yeah. almost gave us a little insight. He talked about the Dan Patrick thing. I was there to talk about something else. I had some tough questions. I'm like, all right, here we go. He's gonna give us a little something. And then he gets into I love DK Metcalf. I love Chris Carson. I love. It's like, it's God, like dude. I don't know. It Scott, me crazy. Scott, it's like the world is gonna stop yes. if the two sides say. Hey, yeah, there was something going on. We got behind closed doors. We're fine now. We're both ready to win. You know, and then he goes, by the way, after he pretty much plays down everything, then he says what you're, what you're saying, winning heals everything. Well, if there's nothing to what are we healing? <laughs> 
That's so true, right? <laughs> Wait a second. We, winning heals everything. You just told me there's nothing to heal. Right, nothing wrong. And by the way. This is why you're not allowed at Seahawks training camp, by the way, because you'd ask shit like that. No, this is not the reason why. <laughs> oh, it's not. Okay. No, there's another reason. Oh, there is. All right. I'll yeah. find out later. Oh, no. You don't have to find out. <laughs> just think. Right. Think back. Um, uh, winning heals everything. Well, and then, the, and then, of course, you got me thinking, all right, winning heals everything. What is winning? Does that mean you got to win a Super Bowl this year to heal everything? Yeah. You have to go to the second round of the playoffs. Good I mean, I mean well, what is what is winning and what are, what are we healing if we're not healing anything? You know, I don't know. I I, I know it's easy for me to sit here in, in, a, in a podcast that nine people listen to and say, just tell us what happened. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to tell us everything. There's stuff that's personal, but you don't have to like pretend. And I'm not just talking about him. By the way, if this is, I hope this is not coming out as Mitch attacking Russell Wilson. Is it? Because no, I don't mean it. You're saying overall, I, pro overall, athletes oh, aren't allowed to have. No, I'm talking about the Seahawks. I'm talking about yeah. Pete Carroll. I'm a, okay, there was. They're forced to hide everything for some there, reason. There was, there was, there, there was some hurt feelings. Right. I, or I wanted to be heard more about a few things. They didn't listen to my opinion. I wish I could. Okay, yeah. what's going to happen? The world's going to stop. They won't be able to play NFL football this year if we know. So, I mean, it's just. It just leads. To, I don't know. And and then I, he, I don't know. He does I'm this frustrated. thing. He does this thing that almost insults me. He overcompensates when somebody asks how his relationship is with his offensive lineman. Did they feel slighted from by what you said? Yeah. Oh, and here comes Dwayne Brown's my best friend. He goes down one by one. Uh, every single lineman. Oh, he had a new baby. Oh, he, he just overcompensates. It drives me crazy. We get it. We. We believe you if you say everything's good with the old lineman, but he can't stop doing it. We wouldn't even talk about old lineman. Then he brings in Metcalf, and he brings in Carson, and I love Jamal Adams. It's like, dude, just answer the question. Are you guys good or not? You don't have to do this. We're good, and I was oh. stupid when I said that. I love those guys. I've always been very appreciative of those guys. Right. And I shouldn't have said what I said. I didn't mean now, to hurt any feelings now if I did. Now, you tell me, what, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the, the next question? What's, what's the – is there a big question? Doesn't that end it all? Yep. Hey, I was – I was being silly. I was being stupid. I was being short-sighted. I appreciate those guys. We're fine. I love those guys. I shouldn't have said what I said, and I apologize. Oh, my God. I don't have anything else to ask him. Right. Art Art Teal would have hit the bricks. (laughs) I think I know he's out of questions after that. Okay. That's that. All right. Well, I just, I mean, I don't want to leave my, my wife, but I do have a list of five women I've been eyeing. I don't want to leave her, but I do have a list just in case. It was and, four, wasn't it? Or <laughs> was it five? I pumped it up to five. Yeah, I, there's a fifth that made the cut. You know, just in case. Tanya Harding. Out. I love it here. Oh, yeah. by the way, that's where you. I just started watching I Tanya that movie. That's where oh. you said that, oh. and I didn't. I couldn't finish it, but uh, yeah, Tanya Harding's on the list. You know, I've been. You know, I, I didn't ask oh. for a divorce, but I do have a list. I do have a list of other women, just in case. All right, just so you know. I know everything. It just feels so fabricated with him. And it's, it's, it's like if he said, yeah, there was friction, and, but we worked it out. We're going to go, oh, you're not perfect? I thought you were perfect this whole time. I know. It's just weird that he can't just answer a question well, like again, a human. Again, I don't want to make it about him because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not singling him out. Oh, him, well, but he doesn't it, it, answer it, questions. Well, well it's, it's, it was him last week. Yeah. And three weeks earlier or two weeks earlier, it was Pete Carroll. You guys made a whole – essentially saying you guys made a whole lot about nothing. And – that's not the case. Right. And so, I don't know. I, 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 a little more transparency, I think, goes a long way. Long way, man. We don't have to dance around. Uh, they, they would not be the first 
people that had a little friction in their world. It's actually shocking they've been together 10 years. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's a long time, right? All For- right. Three interviews. Um, you're going to find out why Joe Fan doesn't have a job anymore. He won't have a job anymore. Damn. We're really saddened to hear that. We've got... Uh, Tom King in Foxborough or near Foxborough to tell us the lowdown on Stephon Gilmore, who I would love to see on the Seattle Seahawks. And Stuart Newman, who's the son of a Florida doctor who passed away to COVID in January after for 40 years collecting a little little baseball card collection now that is is being auctioned off starting now for 30 days. And people are saying... It's going to fetch about twenty-five to thirty million dollars. We'll see how much it is with with some of the cards that nobody has in the world, like some of the most precious cards in the world. I so. can't wait to hear that, but it's it's making me sort of resent my dad for not doing <laughs> that. That's all I can think about is where the hell's my twenty-five million dollar card collection? I'll get a half-empty bottle of wild turkey. That'll be what I get. Uh, <laughs> it's time that we talk saving money with my buddy Jordan Flowers at the Kirkland office of Gil Mortgage. How are you, Jordan? Mitch, I am doing great. I am still trying to track you down to win someone money back from <laughs> golf last year. We'll do it. Do I have to call you J-Flo on the golf course or can I call you Jordan? Yeah, you know, J-Flo's just going to pump me up. <laughs> you better be careful. What are rates these days on 30-year fixed? Yeah, rates are still, we're quoting out in the high twos, low threes on 30-year fixed rates right now. So depending on if you're looking to do a cash out refinance or a straight rate and term refinance, you're still being able to capitalize on historically low interest rates. Good time to buy a house in the Pacific Northwest? Always a great time to buy. Certainly has its challenges for our buyers, but it's still a great time to buy. And we're helping a lot of people buy homes right now, even with as little as zero to 3% down. We've got some tricks up our sleeve that help our buyers win in competitive situations. So always a great time to look at it. So if I'm considering a refinance, how do I know when the right time is to call you guys? If I look at my 30-year fix that I'm involved in right now, and I see, let's say, 3.7%. Can I save money by calling you? Absolutely, 100%. You could be looking at saving money on a new 30-year, getting in the high twos, low threes, or shortening the payoff time frame that you have on it and, say, going to a 20-year fixed or something. So certainly mid to high threes, you should be looking at refinancing and taking advantage of these low rates for as long as they're here. What's the time investment? How long do I have to talk to Jordan? How long do I have to talk to J-Flow to find out how much money I can save? You can talk to J-Flow for as little as five to seven minutes or as long as you'd like to chat. (laughs) (laughs) And how do I get a hold of Jordan Flowers in the Kirkland office at Gill Mortgage? Our direct office line is 425-250-3145. And the cell phone you can text or call is 425-890-2957. Mitch Unfiltered would not be very far without our sponsors, in particular Jordan Flowers and the Kirkland office of Gill Mortgage. Unfiltered. If we're going pie in the sky dreams uh, in terms of trade talks, you know, let's focus on a position and a player who could potentially be had, who potentially isn't happy in his current situation, who to me would would have a much bigger impact on Seattle's uh, overall ceiling. Anytime you restructure somebody, you kick the can down the road in terms of what the cap number is and what the dead cap is. And so, so much of the conversation of whether or not to trade Russell Wilson this offseason was all about that, what was it, 39 million in dead cap space the Seahawks would have to eat. Pete Carroll made it pretty clear they're not talking with KJ Wright. They want to see what they have in camp. They want to see what they have in Daryl Taylor, in Cody Barton, potentially even Ben Burkhurvin. 
So on last week's episode 144, the popular Seahawks reporter Joe Fan of NBC Sports Northwest joined Brady, Henderson, and me, and we delivered another riveting installment of the Seahawks No Table. We talked about the future. We talked about the future of Russell Wilson and Jamal Adams and K.J. Wright. What I didn't know is that I needed to ask him, Joe Fan, about the future of Joe Fan. So here he is with the news that upset so many Hawks fans this past week. Joe, how you holding up? I'm doing great. It was uh, it was a very nice week. Um, I think it just when you get some of the love you get on social media uh, after kind of something I've, I've known is coming for a while, but to be able to put it out there publicly and just kind of the outpouring of, of love and people saying they appreciate what you do, it, it meant a ton. It's been a really fun two years here, and I think you know there's certainly a lot to be proud of when you get that sort of response. I wouldn't call it some love. Anybody who follows knows it was a lot more than some love. It was incredible, the reaction that you that you got with the news. Uh, I, I think it's because there's no more engaging and popular Seahawks reporter than Joe Fan. and I, I mean that. Would you be willing to kind of explain what happened? What, NBC Sports Northwest, the last two years, you, you, you really kind of captured the attention of Seahawks fans everywhere. What happened, Joe? Yeah, so... It just isn't a great time for NBC Sports Northwest. And as much as I can share is that it's this isn't a me thing. It's it's really it's a network thing where, you know, the network isn't going to exist a whole lot longer. Um, And that stems from the one contract we had as a network was the Portland Trailblazers. And they have since jumped ship and gone to root. And that was something that we've kind of known uh, is coming, but we didn't know for sure. Uh, the Blazers made that official last week, making the announcement they're going to Root Sports. Uh, my contract is up July 15th. I've been told that they're going to keep me on through July 30th, and then that will be uh, the end of my time there. But it's been an incredible run. I mean, it's it's kind of it feels like it's been longer than two years because it feels like I've I've really enjoyed interacting with Seahawks fans, covering this team kind of going from the new guy trying to get your bearings to, um, you know, potentially having some clout in the market and have a voice that that people want to hear from. And so it's been a whole lot of fun. I mean, it was my first network job. Um, You know, I'd previously had worked six NFL seasons for three different NFL teams on the team side. And that's fun. And it it got me a lot of reps. It helped me hone some skills. But it's, it's not super, or it's very restrictive, rather, when it comes to, you know, trying to be transparent and honest, especially when times aren't good. So um, I've really enjoyed the ability to kind of flex those muscles and, and be opinionated and have a take and be able to articulate that over a podcast via writing on TV, over radio, all those different things. So it's been a ton of fun. I'm excited to kind of find out what's next at this point. Uh, as we're taping this, I have no idea what's next. Hopefully that means staying in Seattle and something will pop up, but we'll, we'll see. We're in limbo a little bit right now. So um, I'm kind of curious to see where it goes just as you are. What you didn't mention is this is your hometown. This was an opportunity to come back. This wasn't the 49ers or any of those other teams. This was the team that you grew up on and with. Yeah, and as a boss, when I left, I left in 2014 to go go cover the Titans in Nashville for one year. And basically when I left, I kind of had the thought that I might never come back. Um, and that's just kind of the nature of the industry. It's all, you know, it's not just the what, but the where. And um, jobs can be tough to find. And you kind of just have to go where the, wherever the opportunity is. And actually, right before I moved back here and got this job with NBC Sports Northwest, I interviewed for two positions to be Brady's colleague. Um, I think the Bengals were open mm-hmm. and the Bills were open. And so they flew me out to Bristol. I went through that whole process. I felt really good about it. And... 
you know, a month later, I find out instead of moving to Buffalo, I'm actually moving home to Seattle. So uh, as a Buffalo boy to be back by friends and family and stuff, it's, it's been it's been a treat. And hopefully we get to continue it and, uh, and stay up here. So the Northwest version of NBC Sports um, is going to cease to exist. It was a smaller unit than the other affiliates around the country, if I call them affiliates, I don't know what to call them, of the network around the country. Yeah, so there are six regional sports network under the NBC umbrella, and we were definitely the smallest. We had an incredible team, um, and I loved working with, with everyone in our group for these last two years, but man, and there's just no denying that, that we were the little brother. I mean, Bay Area has, I think, every single TV contract that exists there. Philly, D.C., Chicago, and Boston, also very, very big. So a bummer for a lot of people. I mean, it's not just me. It's it's everyone who, uh, you know, is going through this and dealing with kind of this um, ambiguous period where got to go find something new. And, and some already have, and I'm, I'm pumped for some of my colleagues who have, who have got jobs elsewhere, and, and others are still going to kind of have to work through it. So um, interesting times, but, you know, again, I, I can't exp- express anything else but other than gratitude for – for the opportunity they gave me, and it's been a whole lot of fun. Joe, your interaction with Seahawks followers is way livelier than anywhere else, and I know there's a lot of people in this town, including Brady, that do a fabulous job. They really do. But there's something different about Joe fan and Seahawks fans. Any idea why? Can you explain that phenomenon to me? I don't know. Um, I think my approach, well, I've always been sort of active and I like the interaction. I like to hear what people think. I like to share my opinions. Uh, basically, the way I approach my job is I'm going to tell you how I feel. None of it's gospel. And then you can, maybe I brought something up you hadn't thought of, get you thinking about whatever you agree, disagree, totally fine. I think for me, it was really important to be active on social media and engaging with fans when I got here because I was the new guy. And it's a crowded media market. And there's a lot of people here and a lot of really talented people covering this team from a radio side, from a beat reporter side, from a columnist side, from a, a TV side. You got to find a way to stand out. And so I'm, I'm not a vanilla person. I'm not someone who, you know, I've, I've got a pretty big personality. And so I, I can say that none of it is sticky. None of it is, you know, I, I do my best to, to be my authentic self in all of my coverage. And that, you know, includes my interaction with fans. And so that's just kind of where it started. But then I ended up, you kind of just build relationships with people and you, this is kind of how you are. And so I just have continued that over these two years. I've read all the reaction and it's taken me days and days to do it on, on social media. I keep reading that people say you ask the most difficult questions in the press conferences. Pete has bristled at you. Jamal Adams has bristled at you. Where'd that come from? Is that, is that true? Are, are, are your brethren not asking as difficult of questions as you are? You know what's funny is when I took this job, at no point was I like, I'm going to be the tough guy. I'm going to be the tough guy in the market. I'm going to get them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get all these guys. And I'm going to be the villain. And it just has kind of worked out that way. And again, none of it is with the intention of being combative or difficult or whatever. But you know, when things happen and, or Pete says something that doesn't make sense, you know, I'm not afraid to follow up. I, I try to pick my spots because, you know, there, there's some things where like, I could ask this, but they're not going to like the question. Does it really matter? But I do, I try to, you know, like when the Seahawks on the, it was their opening possession against the Rams in the second half. And uh, it's like fourth and inches kind of near midfield, or maybe it was their own 35, 40 and they punted. And so I, I asked, the question and I thought the, the response was weird and I asked a follow-up and it, it was kind of one of those that, that blew up of 
people thanking me for asking. And to me, it was obvious. You had to ask about it. So um, it is interesting that that has sort of become my MO. And I guess I'm okay with it because I, I, I know in my heart of hearts that I don't do anything to rock the boat intentionally. I think I come from a, from a place of curiosity. And, and when I'm there, I, I don't really, it doesn't bother me if Pete Carroll bristles at me or if Jamal Adams bristles at me, you know, I, that's okay. That's part of the job, you know, and you can't be afraid of stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think there's a number of ways to do this job. And, um, you know, you look at guy like Brady, I mean, Brady's so tied in information wise, and, and he is such a go-to source for all of that. And I, I can't compete with that yet. But where I try to compete is I treat this job as sports and entertainment. And I want you to feel like, okay, I like what this guy's saying, but he also seems like an okay dude who I could, you know, grab a beer with and, uh, and talk shop. So that's not how I envisioned things when I took this job. What was the question of Jamal Adams that ruffled his feathers? That one was wild because I said, because, I mean, his coverage had been a talking point on social media. The pro football focus grades were bad. We'd, we'd seen him play. I mean, the eye test said this guy isn't playing at an all-pro level coverage-wise. And he was a very good coverage safety in New York. And so, you know, I think it was, was it week nine or ten? It was before the Eagles game. To me, again, it was just kind of an obvious question. He was speaking to us on a Friday. And my question, it wasn't meant to be combative. And it was, how do you feel like you have played in coverage? And he immediately went on the defensive and kind of, and I, when I asked that question, I, I just kind of expected the kind of canned, uh, I think I'm playing fine. There's some plays I want back, but I'm getting used to a new system, you know, finally feeling like I'm healthier and, you know, look forward to continue to getting better, you know, great. I mean, there's a number of reasons why Jamal Adams potentially wasn't playing his best ball in coverage. I mean, he was hurt. He's learning a new defense. There's probably an element of pressing because when you get acquired for two first round picks, that's insane. I mean, like that, there's a lot of pressure on you to be a stud that's able to justify that price tag. So all of that would have been legitimate. And so I mentioned that in his story, but he got defensive about it. I think what we learned about Jamal Adams was there he's in his Twitter mentions. I mean, he reads everything. He reads the Blitz, the Blitz Boy nickname. You know, he saw people saying that he yelled at Pete Carroll in Buffalo and made it clear several times over that he would never do that even when he wasn't asked about it so that was something that was on his mind i think he was sick of seeing people talking about his lack of coverage ability and his twitter mentions and he kind of took the opportunity to take it out on me so what is your plan joe as it pertains to seahawks coverage you just said that the the job is drying up at the end of july of course that's when it all starts for a lot of seahawks fans training camp preseason and then regular season this is very sad news to a lot of Seahawks fans because you've been somebody that we've relied upon, including myself, uh, the last couple of years. What happens as it pertains to Seahawks coverage? It's a good question. I genuinely have, I mean, it sounds so dramatic when you say this, but it's the kind of the reality of my situation is I have no idea where I will be in a month or two um, or however long it kind of takes a new full-time opportunity to uh, present itself uh, and one that I feel like I'm fired up to take and, and, and dive into head first. I'm open to anything, really. I mean, I could see what I love the most about my job with NBC Sports is that I get to do a little bit of everything. I enjoy hosting a podcast. I enjoy doing TV. I enjoy doing some radio. I really enjoy putting my thoughts and opinions and articulating that into writing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, could, I could be open to, to radio. Well, I've told you this before. I think you have Ozzie Smith range that extends way beyond football and the Seahawks. 
Uh, you mentioned radio. If I were a program director, you could be a successful daily radio host tomorrow. I'd snatch you up in a minute. I can only speak for Mitch Unfiltered, and we want you here as much as you'll put up with us. I want you on more and more and more as training camp approaches. I hope that you'll consider that as you as you search for your next full-time gig. Absolutely. I love all of our conversations. I love the note table with Brady. <laughs> uh, I think the three of us have uh, – we've got some, we've got a good thing going, whether it's the coffee table, the note table. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy our conversations, and I feel like I, I leave – feeling smarter and, and, and better about kind of where I'm at with different things. And uh, I have a lot of fun doing them. So I really look forward to it. While I have you before you go, the Russell Wilson press conference was the marquee event beyond Joe fans announcement last week. Um, what did you make of his reaction? I guess it's the first time we really heard from him since the, the tumultuous off season, all the drama I think he said something like unfortunate frustrations boiled over and he said winning cures everything. I don't think he's lying about not requesting a trade despite the list of teams that he gave to the Hawks. Yeah, I don't I don't think he requested a trade either. It's interesting. I mean, it's what we expected from Russell Wilson. It was the cliches. It was the the roundabout. You know, you kind of trying to sift through the cliches to find like where that maybe the, the tidbits of truth are. Um, I think my frustration is when Pete Carroll downplays it all. And just, I don't see the harm in owning it of just like, I was frustrated. I was unhappy with the team. I was, I was annoyed by this, that, and the other. Um, and, but we've worked through it and we're in a good place now and winning cures all and all that, right. You don't, that's, we don't, why do we have to pretend that what it was, wasn't what it was. Cause then you end up having this, this faction of people on Twitter who are yelling at you this is a non-story. It's always been a non-story. It's the media's fault. I mean, how dare we still talk about this at nausea? I mean, a star quarterback, the, the greatest player in franchise history, being frustrated with his employer is always going to be a top story. For me, I think Russ's biggest misstep, because Russ is not a very relatable dude. I feel pretty confident saying that. I mean, his job is not relatable. He's, he's married to a music icon. Like, there's not a whole lot. I'm not saying he's not a good person. He's an incredible, incredible person. I have a ton of admiration for Russell Wilson and everything he's accomplished on and off the field. But there just aren't many layers of, of where you feel like you relate to him because he has this image of perfection and nobody's perfect. And him being frustrated with the team and John Schneider and Pete Carroll – and the, 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 whatever the list of things that he felt like he was, you know, being irked by, what's more relatable than someone frustrated with their employer? I mean, gosh, how many times have we all had beers or, or meals with friends and, and you just kind of get on your soapbox about whatever. We all have been there every day. And so to me, it was like that was a moment, whether you agreed or disagreed with what he was saying and whether you felt like he was justified in his frustrations that's relatable. And why do we have to pretend? Why do we have to do this song and dance pretending that it wasn't anything? So I think those were my main takeaways. It was pretty much what I expected, but, but still frustrating from the standpoint of like, come on, what are we doing here? Do we think everything is hunky-dory? I think every, I genuinely believe him when he says him and Pete Carroll are doing great and he is all in and ready to go. He had a, a wonderful offseason. He's working out with teammates in his home in San Diego. Um, he came back for you know a week of OTAs for mandatory minicamp. I believe everyone is on the ship moving in the same direction. However, and this was the money quote, and it's maybe unfair to boil down a 30-minute press conference into one quote, but he said, you know what heals everything? 
Winning. Winning. Yeah. That to me says, well, one, what was there to heal if everything was okay? Uh, and two, I also believe that he wants to be here forever. But this is a guy who was so hyper-focused on his legacy and wanting to be um, among the greatest of all time when he steps away. And he knows that has, uh, he needs another Lombardi trophy, at least one more. Push comes to shove. At some point, he's going to say, my legacy, I, I need to, this just isn't working. And we're going to have to find a, find a new home and maybe a change of scenery will, will be it. So the, the winning has to come this year. I mean, this is such a pivotal season in Seahawks franchise history. I mean, they're, this, they're, we're at a crux of the Russell Wilson, John Schneider, Pete Carroll era of Seahawks football. And there's a chance for this to be long and prosperous for many more years. And there's also a chance that this is, this is the last ride. So uh, this is going to be a fascinating season. Um, one that, again, I hope that I'll be around to cover. Well, I hope that you'll be around. Everybody hopes that you'll be around. We're all crossing our fingers on that. Training camp will be here before you know it, and I can firmly say as long as he'll have us, Joe Fan and fans of Joe Fan can hear him on Mitch Unfiltered more and more and more as the regular season training camp and everything kind of comes about. Absolutely. We'll be in touch, and uh, this has been a fun conversation. I look forward to many more. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Mitch. She's back. Senior financial planner Katie Versio. Evergreen Golf Call. How are you, Katie? And how are all my friends doing over at Evergreen? Uh, I'm good. We're all good. Thanks for asking and for having me today, Mitch. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm feeling okay because I've never gone three for three on one of your financial trivia contests. And I'm hoping that today is the day. Do we have a theme today, Katie? Yes. So the theme is of new legislation that's recently been passed in Washington. So hopefully you've been uh, researching, been studying that. (laughs) Go ahead. What's question number one? Number one. Okay. So Washington recently passed the Long-Term Care Trust Act, which is a new payroll tax to help fund long-term care services. According to Morningstar, what current percentage of individuals turning 65 will end up needing some kind of long-term care in their life? Is it 30%, 45, 60, or 70%? Oh, I'm going out the window right away. I'll say 60%, Katie. Oof, unfortunately, the answer is 70%. Oh. So that means the majority of those that are turning 65 today will need, whether it's nursing home care, assisted living, home health care, some kind of services as they age. I'm protesting Morningstar. Go ahead, question number two. (laughs) Okay, true or false? This one's a little bit easier. You only got two options here. So all workers, since this is a payroll tax, all workers in Washington state are required to pay this tax. True or false? I'll say true, Katie, go ahead. Tell me it's false. Oh, sorry. (laughs) It's good news for the taxpayers, not good news for uh, your record here. But there are some exceptions. If you're an independent contractor, if you are a 1099 worker, you don't have to pay this tax. If you don't want to, you can opt into it. Also, if you have a long-term care policy or you purchase one in 2021, you are able to opt out of this tax. When my parents see my report card... (laughs) Going to be bad news in the Levy household. (laughs) Go ahead. Question number three. Let me see if I can save some face. Go ahead. 
All right, so another law that was recently passed but is currently being debated, there's some lawsuits against this one. It's regarding capital gains. How the law stands today is there will be a flat 7% tax that's assessed to capital gains exceeding what dollar amount? Is it 50,000, 100,000, 250,000, or 300,000? I'm throwing the two extremes out. I'm in the middle of 100 and 250. I'll go 100,000, Katie. Ooh, I'm sorry that you're zero for three on this one. It's actually 250,000. Really? If you are selling stocks, any other types of property, and you have gains in a given year above 250,000, as the law stands today, there will be a flat 7% tax assessed to that. Have you ever heard of going easy on the host, Katie? <laughs> you're supposed to go easy on the host. I love her anyway. She's back with us, senior financial planner, Katie Versio of Evergreen Golf Call. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen Golf Call is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza president, Dan Black, joins us where else? On the Zeke's Pizza hotline of Mitch Unfiltered. Dan, no masks necessary for those that have been vaccinated twice. What does that mean for all the great locations of Zeke's Pizza now? Yeah, absolutely great news. The weather's awesome. We're coming out of COVID, so the party's on at Zeke's. In terms of where we're at with the masks, as it stands, we're still wearing them and our customers are still wearing them. We follow Washington state law or guidance pretty closely, but it's clear that we're heading towards no masks soon. And uh, it's just a matter of when. Spring turns to summer. So what does that mean for the black family's palates and appetites when it comes to your choice of pizza and beer, Dan? Yeah, you know, summertime, people keep it lighter, and I do that. We do that on the pizza front and the beer front. I got kids, and so we keep it pretty basic in the summer. We order a ton of pepperoni and cheese. And then on the beer front, you know, I usually stick with whatever kind of our current special Zeke's beer is at the time. We got one coming out with Black Raven. It's a light lager, great summer drinker. It's called Stellar's J, and so that's, that's what I'll be drinking this summer. Mitch Unfiltered is almost three years old, and every step of the way, Zeke's has been by my side. I'm so appreciative of Dan, his crew, and all of the Zeke's Pizza locations, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Stepping off and throwing, and it is knocked down by Gilmore. Well, you know they're taking shots down the field now. Blitz to the end zone, and it's intercepted at the three-yard line. Gilmore jumps up and grabs it. As we record this episode 145 of Mitch Unfiltered, lots of intrigue in Foxborough, Massachusetts, and around the NFL, like here in Seattle. Will Patriots star cornerback Stephon Gilmore show up to this week's mandatory minicamp? And bigger than that, what's the future or lack thereof in New England? He's in the final year of a, of a big deal. Our guy Tom King has been all over the Patriots for 125 years. And he joins us back here on Mitch Unfiltered. Hi, Tom. It's actually 126 years, Mitch, but who's counting, right? So, so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, it's it's hard to believe that, that the mini camp is here because once the mini camp comes and goes, training camp is at a blink of an eye. Right. And then it all starts. Right. So go back to the beginning. Uh, I use the term star corner. He clearly once was 
the Defensive Player of the Year in 2019. Is he still a star corner? There seems to be a sentiment at age 30 that he dropped off last year, Tom. Well, he dropped off, but he was also injured last year. So, you know, that was a factor. With the salary, what they did, see, this year he's only due seven, I think, $7.5 million on the books. Uh, what they did last year, because of his Defensive Player of the Year award, they fronted him about $4 million of what he would have gotten this year and added it to last year's salary. Got it. So he was paid extra last year, but they did not give him a salary increase, if you know what I mean. So they just reworked the money, and now this year he's down $4 million from what he would have earned normally under, this, under the schedule of the contract. Okay, so we'll get, so, we'll get to the numbers and the compensation and what they should or shouldn't do here in a minute. But, Tom, answer the question in your – you watch this team closer than I do or anybody here in our audience. Right. How good of a football player is he? Is he still one of the elite, elite corners in the NFL? You put Stephon Gilmore on their best receiver, and you do it without hesitation okay. because – He's the best that the New England Patriots have at the position. So regardless of whether or not you think he's a star, he is your star Mm -hmm. because he's the best you have. And he will still, in my mind, if he's healthy, cover the best receiver on the other team. Well, if he's the Patriots' best corner, then he would be if the Seahawks could swing a deal. He'd be the Seahawks' best corner for sure. You say he's due Mm -hmm. seven-plus million this year, do you get the sense? I know all's quiet in Foxborough. Do you get the sense right. that the two sides are discussing an extension, or are the Patriots of the mindset? You know, he's thirty, dropped off a little bit last year. We don't want to do a long. We paid him a lot of money. We don't want to do a long-term extension. Well, here's the interesting part. What did the Patriots do in March? They went nuts with the money. They signed a lot of players, a lot of good players. They beefed up their roster. Why? They're making a run. Does it make sense for them to then subtract a good player from their roster for the future if they're making a run at the present? So the thinking was, before they made the free agent the shopping spree, the thinking was that there was no chance that Gilmore was going to stick around, that they would deal him because of the factors you just said. 30 years old, last year of the deal. That's, a prime, that's prime Bill Belichick trade, trade time. Mm-hmm. Now, the thinking is that maybe they are talking in extension. See, Gilmore won't say a word. He is, he's as tight-lipped as it gets. But he said back in May he'll just take it day by day, and it'll, things will always work out. And that's what he said. My guess is... They are going to try to talk an extension with Stefan Gilmore. The other question is, if they do that, they're not going to offer him top dollar. Would he take $12 million a year? Would he take $13 million a year? Rather than the 16 to $20 million that some of the best cornerbacks now in the league are getting. So there you have it. If they want him here for the future, then what they need to do is probably offer him a two-year extension but it depends on the money. Would he take somewhere between 
11 and 13 million a year. I don't think they would offer Stefan Gilmore the 16 to 20 million he might get on the open market. People think if he becomes a free agent at the end of this year, they're not going to let him walk. They'll either deal him or they'll extend him. It's going to be one or the other. Well, he, he's going he's gonna to be forced to play if they want to play hardball. You say they won't do this or they shouldn't do this. But if they want to play hardball, they can say, we, we want him to play the final year of his contract, right, Tom? They could say that. and yeah, he Right, could, they he could. could, he, they could. could he, he could hold out. And, but you know all these guys. Right. He's not going to forfeit seven-plus million dollars in a year on his 30th when he's 30 years old. He's, he will if he thinks, if his agent tells him, that this is a way that they would trade, they would have to trade you. And then they would probably take it right up to the trade deadline and then deal him. Okay. Logan Makins, what did he do? He sat out until that 10th week. He got himself a contract extension. <laughs> then he got himself traded. But he still got the money. The thing is, if you're Gilmore, do you gamble on yourself or not? Because they're going to gamble on him, but they're going to gamble on him at a safe bet. If they traded him, Tom, what could they get back for him? What would they expect back from him? I guess the answer to that is that the compensation would be limited if he goes to a team with one year left on his contract versus going to a team that maybe can sign him to a long-term deal as part of the trade with the Patriots. That's the thing is, you know, they may deal him to a team and then he becomes a free agent. And, and the compensation, that's going to be the interesting part. Everybody thinks in the NFL that when you're dealing a player who's good, who's a name, oh, it's got to be a number one pick. It's got to be a number one pick. You're not going to get a first-round pick for Stephon no Gilmore. No way. No way. Right. No way. You would probably get I, – I think you would get a package, but it would, it would top with a third at best. I think a third. A third and then maybe – uh, a fifth and a sixth, you know, uh, you know, mixed in. If you got somebody to give you a, a number two, a second rounder, then then you get yourself a deal. But I don't think there's any way a first round pick. I think the highest they could get for him would be a third. I don't know if they would do that. What would the New England Patriots look like if they traded him at corner? What's their corner room look like without Stephon Gilmore? Well, Jonathan Jones would automatically, you know, the guy who you, you led the NFL in interceptions, he would automatically be probably ascend to your number one corner, even though he's not your best cover corner. Interceptions by a cornerback are often, you know, not always a true indication of the player. And Jones was a good player. He, he, you know, he had a good sense of the football, but he often would leave his man. And that's a no-no. So his coverage skills aren't as good as Gilmore's. The other is Jalen Mills, who they signed as a free agent, and I think that you know he would probably be you know one of their one of their number two or number three corner. I don't know if they feel secure enough at the position to be without Gilmore. I just think the fact that they went out and spent all that money and right. got all those players right. that means that that they could think about extending Stephon Gilmore. If they were going in the other direction, Mitch, yep. and say, okay, we're going to get younger, we're going to rebuild on the fly, and you know, we're not ready to contend for a title, then, I, then Gilmore would have been gone. He'd already be gone. But they didn't do that. They went out and signed players yep. Yep. to make themselves a title contender. You don't do that and lose your best corner if he's healthy and still your best corner in your mind. The conjecture and the winds kind of blew towards away from the trade winds. 
Okay. They blew towards keeping him. Okay. And in my, my mind, I think he's going to stay. Before you go, who's going to start a quarterback opening night? You or me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been practicing. Uh, I've been practicing. I'm ready to play quarterback for the Patriots. <laughs> I, got, I, I still have an arm. I still have a good arm. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be Cam Newton if he's healthy. Now, don't forget, he, he hurt his hand last week. So he hurt his hand throwing uh, – his hand hit – his finger hit an el- uh, a helmet on a follow-through of a pass. It's not going to be Mac Jones. If he's healthy, it will be Cam Newton. Mac Jones. I, I don't. I don't have any doubt. I don't have any doubt about that. Mac Jones is not ready. Red shirt year for Mac Jones. If Newton is able to play, yes. If not, okay. then Mac Jones may have to be fed to the fire because I don't look. The fact that they drafted Mac Jones means they don't trust Jared Stidham. That tells me that that Mac Jones would be next in line. They brought Brian Hoyer in. Brian Hoyer, by the way, looked the best of all of them last week. But they brought Brian Hoyer in to be almost like a player coach. And in my mind, he probably won't even be on the roster. He'll be on the coaching staff when the season begins. The great Tom King, always always a pleasure to have him back on Mitch Unfiltered. He's been helping me out all the way going back to the radio days, covers the Patriots as well as anybody and has been doing it. What did you tell me? 126 years? 116 126 years. 126 years. 126 years. years. Great, Tom. It's great to visit with you. All the best to you. (laughs) Thanks for being back on. Oh, no problem, Mitch. Thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you again. Where did the Levy family go to celebrate Mother's Day and my son's 19th birthday, you ask? Well, Daniel's broiler, of course. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Lindsay Schwartz to give us a little update. Lindsay, how are you? How's the business been? Warmer weather, vaccines rolling out? What do you say? Doing great, yeah. Business is is much better. It's picking up every week with the vaccinations, with the warm weather. Uh, It's really nice to see. It's been a long year or even longer, and and it's starting to feel like things are getting back to normal again for sure. You can say that again, and you're hiring. You're looking for people at all your locations. Yeah, we're looking for for people at every location. We're hiring for every position as we get busy, and and it's a fun place to work. Uh, Whether people are looking for a summertime job or looking for something longer term or build a career, we've got all kinds of options. So uh, tell your friends and, and come talk to us. That's perfect. That's great news. I don't know much about alcohol and beverages, but you guys have had some kind of unexpected success with a mixer that you're now bottling and selling on Amazon. Explain this to me and what you have for Mitch Unfiltered listeners. What kind of an option? Yeah, well, during the pandemic, when the restaurants were shut down for a while and then obviously limited capacity, we wanted to find a way for people to have the Daniels experience at home. And we obviously did take out and delivery. But we also launched an old-fashioned cocktail mixer on Amazon. It's been unbelievable the success that we've had, wow. not just locally, but nationally. So it's our, it's the same old-fashioned cocktail that you get in our restaurants. 12-ounce bottle <laughs> on Amazon of the mixer. It'll make 17 drinks when you mix with whiskey. Okay. Uh, normally, it's a $17 price point. And uh, for Mitch Unfiltered listeners, we're doing a 20% off Ooh. promotion up until Father's Day. So what you do in the promo line you put in Mitch L20 to get your 20% off. So M-I-T-C-H-L-2-0, and that'll get you the, the discount. Wow. I get $3.40 off of a $17 item. And I can make there you go, man. I can make 17 drinks with that. I'm loving it. Mitch L20 on the Amazon code, right? When you do it on Amazon.com. 
That's right. Okay. That's right. Perfect. There it is. Where would Mitch Unfiltered be? Not very far, as I say, without my sponsors, including Daniels Broiler, who's been by my side for every step of the way back in the radio days, and now Mitch Unfiltered. We love Daniels Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. Outside of his day job as a neurologist in Tampa, Dr. Thomas Newman had a secret passion. His collection is about to go up for public auction through memory lane auctions beginning in June. More than a thousand pieces will be up for bid, but there is one that stands out from the rest. We have one particular piece, yes. What is the most valuable? It's a 33 Gaudi gum card that was produced um, in 1933. And it is the only one that's ever been authenticated with a grade of a nine. Episode 145, Mitch Unfiltered. You know, in January, Florida doctor Thomas Newman passed away due to COVID-19 complications at the age of, I think, 73. Thomas's favorite hobby, no question about that, collecting sports cards. And wait until you hear the details. Experts say... It's the most valuable private collection in the world. His son, Stuart, is really nice enough to join us here on Mitch Unfiltered, episode 145. Hi, Stuart. Thank you and our condolences about your dad. Thanks. Yeah, glad to be here. Happy to uh, walk through all this with you. I just want to get the stories. We'll get to the juicy details in a minute, but tell us about your dad. The interesting part of his collecting as I see it, is that he actually had to start all over again as an adult after he collected as a kid, right? That's true. Uh, just similar to, uh, you know, a high percentage of people from his generation, he did collect as a child, but then when they went away to school, college, you know, his parents threw stuff away because there wasn't really, people didn't figure there was any particular value to the old sports cards, and they weren't well kept anyway. They weren't kept in good condition or treated it any way like they are now. Uh, so it's got originally thrown away, which were cards from the late fifties, early sixties when he was a, uh, you know, grade school and high schooler. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So basically when he got back into it, when I was uh, in the eighties, it was back just initially out of nostalgia to kind of recollect, so to speak, the few of those early, you know, late fifties, early sixties cards that he, remember collecting about 20, 25 years before that. You know, moms everywhere, as you point out, threw out cards. When I was a kid, I was born in 67. My two older brothers were born in 60 and 61. We we collected baseball cards like every other kid back in those days. But uh, gosh knows what my mom threw out. She threw them all out when we, uh, when yeah. we finished. And, and maybe that's one of the reasons why these old ones are so valuable. Moms are the reasons. We can thank moms that there's less, I guess, supply, less supply and more demand. Yeah, it definitely plays into the scarcity. Because first off, a lot of them are throw out, thrown out, and a lot of, all, even the ones that weren't thrown out, they weren't preserved in the way they are now in these nice, you know, hard plastic or right. uh, containers. They were thrown against the wall. You played with your friends like you would play. Like, there was just no sort of even thought that there was any sort of, like, long-term keepsake value with them. So that's why the overwhelming majority of the ones that even survived not being thrown away are in pretty poor condition. So that increased, creates uh, the, the scarcity of these high condition old cars, which are now in you know, incredible demand, but there's only so there are very few of them that are around. 
I love the uh, the stories about how he went about collecting as an adult. He he dragged his his young son around the country with him to conventions during the summer times. What was that like for you as a young guy? Did you like that? Did you not like that? I think I read you said somewhere in in some interview that you had trouble even getting him to stop for lunch when he was going to these conventions. That's true. He's so into it. My dad, if you knew him, was if he was either not into something at all or very into it. He was sort of that way in all aspects of life where he was just kind of an all or nothing as far as interest level. And he certainly went into very uh, much the all uh, component when it came to sports cards and memorabilia. At that time in the, in the 80s when I went to those shows with them, uh, the shows are quite different uh, than they are now because it, it was before there were cards were graded. It was before any auctions ever existed for cards. There was a lot of kind of wheeling and dealing that was going on. And so he felt like if he missed half hour of the of the show to go eat lunch, <laughs> to, he'd miss out on some, some deal opportunity. Uh, so all that meant for me is I would have to, like, you know, go try to find a Snickers bar for a little sustenance. <laughs> it was fun, uh, certainly, to go with him all those summers. But I, I would appreciate a few lunch breaks. That, you know, it was, it was pretty intense. Were you with him when he got the Babe Ruth cards? Well, I was not in. Per- I was with him when he bought the Mickey Mantle rookie. Okay. Not in. Not because uh, that was actually purchased back in the '80s. I was not with him when he bought the Babe Ruth. Wow. Uh, but I know the story, of, you know, of who he bought it from and uh, all that. But um, yeah, so you know, the, there's those things. It was a different era then. That's where he kind of started it out. And that, look, that's a lot of how he accumulated a collection of this kind of values. He started 40 years ago. And a lot, of, a lot of the most valuable cards that are in the collection are they're about they're being auctioned. He's owned a really, really long time, and certainly got being a hold of them when their values were quite a bit different than they are now. Right. Um, right. But yeah, it was the, I'm, when I was going to the 80s and 90s, it was a very different world in those uh, um, and those um, conventions, just by virtue of the fact that there was no grading service. That really changed the dynamic because you know the grade of a card was just up to someone's opinion. There's a lot of like, oh, this is, looks great. This one be a back and forth kind of debate over the quality of the card, and then, then you negotiate the price. It was, it was a lot of action uh, and fun, um, but certainly didn't lead me to a lot of breaks during this convention. He was very quiet, by the way, about all this. He he would collect these cards. He would buy, uh, not sell, but he would buy cards, buy cards, take his kid on the road with him, and then he would quietly put together this this collection in his doctor's office and in different places. I guess I, I guess I buried the lead, which is bad of me, uh, Stuart. This is believed to be the greatest private collection of baseball cards in the world. The crown jewel is a 1933 Babe Ruth card. Tell us about that card. How many are there out there? Where did he get it? Do we, do we know how much he paid for it? How much are we guessing that one's going to get when they do the auction later this month and next month? So the auction started back on Saturday. Obviously, it lasts almost a month. So the early you know bidding is just starting to come in. And so it's, it'll be a long time until we know uh, much more accurately what some of these high-priced items will go for. But it's certainly exciting. The, the Babe Ruth card is getting the most hype uh, is the kind of yellow back. Gaudi Ruth, where the reason why it's getting a small level of attention is the only one that's graded nine that exists, or at least known to exist, and I assume if somebody else had one, they would have made themselves uh, made, uh, made the world aware by this point. Mm-hmm. So the only one that's known to exist in the graded nine 
out there. There is an eight, so I understand, but there's not a nine. So it's a one-of-one scenario. Wow. And when you have a one-of-one scenario, that creates a lot of excitement, especially when it's when it's Babe Ruth. So that's that's the that's the, he's had that card about 20, 25 years. I have a rough idea what he paid for, but I wouldn't want to quote it because I'm not 100%. But it's certainly you know a microscopic fraction of what it will sell for, ultimately. Wow. That's for sure. What do we think it's going to go for? Is it being auctioned off individually or is part at, of this entire set? How does it work? How do we see the auction? Individually, yeah. So there's a the auction has was Magnificent 7 feature, which there's actually about 2,000 total lots, like auction you know, ranging from the most expensive stuff to some things that are medium or smaller price. But it has a magnificent seven, kind of the feature seven lots out of the 2,000 that are the, you know, maybe the highest profile, probably highest priced seven items that will go off. And, you know, that individual card is one of those. They're all individual cards, all seven are. And that one is certain, that one's sold by itself. Yeah, it's not, the ones of that value tend to be sold individually, not as sets because they they stand out too much on their own to really be in a set scenario. So how much? How much do we think we're going to get for that one? And what's my, feel- what, what's my commission? What's Mitch's in Seattle's commission on this uh, 1933 Babe Ruth card? I think the same as uh, everybody else's. <laughs> I'm associated with zero percent. Uh, the uh, as far as the prediction, I you know I feel I hesitate to give an idea, but certainly they're hoping. It approaches those all-time, you know, numbers around four to five million dollars. Wow! It certainly has the potential to do that, just that individual card. But again, no, you won't know until you know the the thirty-day auction is complete. Wow. There are variables. You know, do people come in at the end and kind of get into a little bidding war? It's impossible to predict some of those things. But you know, I think that that range is certainly very possible. There's a 1916 Babe Ruth rookie that goes along with that. There's mm-hmm. a 1952 Mickey Mantle rookie card. There are cards of Ty Cobb, Lou Gehrig, Honus Wagner, Ted Williams, Cy Young. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Some people are saying your family is gonna is gonna fetch twenty twenty five million dollars before it's all said and done on on Dad's little baseball card collection. I know. I yeah. Well, first off, I. Uh, it's it's kind of mind-numbing to believe that those guys are there. I, I, I understand logically that that's likely the range that could be, you know, uh, achieved or maybe even more, who knows. But it just, you know, it also feels very surreal because the values of these cards have always been pretty good, but there's been a kind of a meteoric rise in recent years where the you know, prices have not gone up a little. They've skyrocketed across a lot of these different cards. So, it's very, uh, it's quite uh, amazing what's happened recently with the prices. Where do we you know, go? I, one thing I yeah. would say is, a, is an interesting story around the 52 tops that one of the big catalysts for him is becoming a major, more major player in the, in the collecting scene was he had randomly called a guy named Alan Rosen, who was a big name dealer mm-hmm. uh, back at that time. Probably the biggest, he actually was on the day show and had a book out. He was the biggest name dealer back at that time, 80s, 90s. And he, met a, he had a famous find, they called it the find, where he found a bunch of unopened 52 tops cases, cello cases, I believe. Uh-huh. And from that became all these super high-quality 52 tops cards. So my dad called Alan Rosen about something completely unrelated to that, didn't know he'd made this find, and then just randomly had the phone call where Alan said, oh, by the way, I, this is why I just found this stuff. Do you want it? And so he bought it by happenstance. And it, my dad wouldn't have been one of the ones he had first called and probably would never have gotten 
uh, all those cards had he just hadn't randomly made a phone call. And that was a big catalyst because, of course, those 52 Tops cards have been famous for ever since because they're so much higher quality than most others that are out there. The 52 Mantle that's one of the Magnificent Seven comes from that group. So where do we see if we – I don't know that any of our listeners are going to be making bids anytime soon, but where can we, if we're curious, watch the increase in value and the auction go off over the next 30 days? How do we see it? And how many times have you hit the refresh button so far, Stuart? Uh, with the memory lane dot ink, memory lane, inc.com. Yeah. Uh, I definitely want to give a, a plug to JP Cohen. Uh, his, he and his team have done a phenomenal job putting this auction together. Uh, one thing, you know, it looks great and it's phenomenally exciting, but the work to get all this prepared over the last four or five months has been immense. My dad, as much as he had as these incredible cards, had a bunch of other cards that were nearly worthless, right? Cause they, you know, if you collect enough, you have junk too. And so he had to sift through it all to really harness all the right things and really put together this auction. He's done a terrific, terrific job. Memory Lane's a great organization. I definitely would want to give JB all the credit in the world for the work he's done. But MemoryLankInc.com is where you find it. And anybody could look around. Uh, to bid, you have to register because, of course, they want to make sure that the bids are legitimate. Yep. Uh, but anybody can go onto the website and check the prices and see how things are going and surf around and see what the – uh, the latest, uh, you know, numbers are and all the different items on there. So, you know, as far as how often I push for fresh, <laughs> not too often yet because I know it's thirty day a thirty day event, and so a lot of the hype, a lot of the real activity comes at the end, but probably ten or fifteen refreshes so far, but not not nearly as many. I'll be t- it'll be a lot. The last <laughs> night, where you know, I'm sure I'll be refreshing every every thirty seconds. Stuart, you and and your mom obviously had conversations with your dad before he passed in January. He knew that he was sitting on something very, very special. I don't know that he knew how special. I'm sure there are listeners in our audience that are wondering and want me to ask you about what he would have wanted. Clearly, you're doing what he would have wanted, right? There's no question that he would have wanted you to to pass these along and, and, and take the money out of the cards and not, not keep the cards for generations to come? Yeah, I mean, uh, people ask that question. It's a good point. So Nancy technically is my stepmother, by the way. It's okay, okay. but she's okay. not. My actual mother uh, passed away but previously. But, yeah, people ask me that question, like, is there a, do I almost feel like, well, I'm just going to here, I'm li- liquidating my debt. 40 year collecting kids <laughs> did 40 years of collecting and here we are liquidating it uh, right afterward. But that, he knew that was always going to be the approach we took. Uh, we, you know, we actually did not sell everything that he had. There are a few little nostalgic items, a lot of signed baseballs. My son is a big baseball fan. So actually the majority of the signed baseballs that he had, we just kept because those are like, he really liked them. But ultimately, you know, when we had conversations throughout his life, he knew that this, when this day came, we would sell the cards. It didn't really make a lot of sense for us to try to keep hold of them. I have a sibling, of course, and so who holds them, who deals with them? They're 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 so valuable at this point. It just made the most sense, and this is really kind of a a cool way for him to get the kind of notoriety. I know, uh, you know, you know, post death notoriety, but still notoriety that he really didn't ever quite fully get. So if he's watching from somewhere, he's certainly seeing all this excitement and how much people are pumped up about what an amazing thing he accomplished over 40 years accumulating this collection. So, you know, I feel good about it from that perspective. But, you know, there, 
those comments are going to come about, hey, you know, but, but I think it's the right thing. He would not have been surprised in the least. He actually knew this exactly would be the plan. And to be honest with you, we'd already spoken about the fact that when we did do it, we would reach out to J.P. Cohen, who's been a longtime friend of this. Uh-huh. So there was not none of this is really going around following any sort of different script than he would have expected. Mm. He called them their his paper babies. Um, yes, he he loved these cards. So I, the, the the ironic part was he would always tell me about the, you know they're increasing, increasing in value. I'd say, well, they're not worth anything. You're never going to sell them. That's what I would often say. But <laughs> he loved them, and uh, no, he did occasionally sell duplicates, but only as ways to to buy more stuff he didn't already have. Uh, you know, he he wanted to almost, he really tried to get just about one of every single card that's out there. And, well, he didn't accomplish it. He got pretty close. Uh, so yeah, he's, you know, he just loved it. He loved showing them to people. He just, if you knew my dad, he was either, he had very few, uh, rip interests, but the ones who very, his interests were like, he was extremely passionate about it. Uh, obviously medicine being one, he was a physician. Uh, and then, but, but from a hobby perspective, sports cards really dominated his, dominated his life for the last 40 years. Did he have a favorite player? Well, I guess when I was, when I was a kid, his favorite player definitely was Nolan Ryan. Oh. Uh, I loved him, but I think now, you know, from a collecting perspective, it's hard not to have your favorite guy be Babe Ruth because he <laughs> just has the most, not just because it's the most valuable, right? He just has like, there's an aura of Babe Ruth, right? He's kind of bigger than life figure in American folklore, right? Yeah. Uh, the name, even people that aren't baseball fans or of any kind, they still, and then they know the name Babe Ruth, right? So I think, you know, from a collector's perspective, his stuff always has a special uh, thing associated with it. Well, I wish you and your family uh, all the very best over the next 30 days and watching the uh, the numbers escalate. I hope you're able to really maximize what your your dad's passion and and what he was able to, to, to accomplish over many, many years. It's nice that you have the memories, no matter what they are, of going around the country with him as he acquired this very, very special baseball card collection. Uh, Thomas Newman in Florida. Thomas, thank you very, very much for joining us. All the very best to you. All right, thank you. Glad to be here. Hey, look who we've captured again on Mitch Unfiltered. Fireside Home Solutions owner John Waterstrat off the golf course and the fishing boat to chat fireplaces and garage doors. How's everyone doing, John? Hi, Mitch. Doing great. Again, as I've said before, we've been super blessed to be in this market and uh, be in the building and retail industry, and our customers continue to bless us with lots of businesses. Uh, Again, just working through delays that manufacturers might have, but we think good communication and then having some patience, uh, we can get a lot of these things installed for people. It's funny, John, you think of fireplace conversations as wintertime discussions, but the truth is, like with us here at the house, it's now, right, that you start the planning process to change the look and feel of your home for fall and winter. Yeah, I think it's the great time. Depending on the kind of project you're doing, it takes a little while to make some selections. You know, we come out to your house like we've talked about before. You come into the showroom. So there are times that go along there. So if we can be patient again, like we were talking about, uh, we can look at stuff. We take our time to really pick out the things that we need to. We'll help guide you and make sure you make the right selection. But it does. It takes the pressure off of getting it done in the fall. Boom. When that first winter day or that fall day comes, you have that nice warm fire place in your home and in this day and age of covid we don't have to worry this time of year about shipment delays 
from manufacturers, installation dates. It makes everything a little bit easier. What is the time frame that you guys are working with on the average, John? Yeah, on average, we're still about two to three weeks out. It really depends on the product. Our gas fireplaces have been doing really, really great. Our manufacturers stay ahead of that. But it doesn't mean that we're not going to have a delay. We'll communicate with you. And again, selection now, like we just talked about, is a great time. So if you're really in a hurry, we can select something that is in stock because we are stocking more product in, in some cases. And if you're a little bit more patient and you really want that particular fireplace, we'll let you know what the lead times are and, and we'll make sure that gets installed at your time frame as well. People who listen to Unfiltered know that a few years ago, you guys also jumped in the garage doors business. How's it going? Tell us about that arm of your of your work. It's doing great as well. Uh, it's very, very busy. In that industry, it's a little bit different. Most garage doors are steel, so the steel index has gone up. So the pricing has been a little bit more variable. We just moved our Puyallup location to a Sumner location so we could stock more for our customers to make sure we can keep those lead times down. Fantastic. Start your shopping, whether it's a new indoor or outdoor fireplace or new garage doors you got to start your shopping with an amazingly loyal supporter of us here on Mitch Unfiltered, Fireside Home Solutions and FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Unfiltered. Okay, episode 145, Other Stuff segment, Hot Shot. Don't forget, U.S. Open contest is underway. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com, click on the banner, and enter your five golfers. They all need to make the cut. Do you want to start on the other stuff, or do you want me to start on the other stuff? I have, sport, I have sportsy stuff. Oh, sports is going on still. Yeah. Okay, yeah. hit me. Because, you know, we didn't talk, we talked about Russell Wilson and Costco yeah, right. in our first segment, but we did not talk about the subgroup of college football playoffs, the management committee presenting a proposal to expand four to 12. Let's have a round of awesome a round news. of applause. So great. It's coming. You bitched about this in 96. I remember Everybody, running the board for oh, you. Don't, don't give me any credit. Everybody. Oh, I wasn't giving you credit. There's literally, there's only like three people in the world, but they were the three most important people that did not want a college football playoff. Yeah. I, I, what are the reasons again, real quick, why they didn't want it? Is it too confusing? Well, the, the, the big, the big reason they always say, and it's a fair, it's a fair point. The more we have playoffs and the more teams that we add to the playoffs, the less important regular season games oh. are in college football. Okay. And there was once a day and age, unlike any other sport, that every Saturday in college football was kind of a playoff game yep. because you couldn't lose. That's right. But lose, now that out, we yeah. go to four, we went from two to four and four now to 12 at some point, those games are not going to mean as much. I still think we're going to love them. But yes, you're going to be able, if you're in the SEC, you're going to be able to lose two or three and still get into the college football playoffs. So how important is the Alabama-Auburn game anymore? How important is the Oregon-Washington game anymore? Well, Come on now. <laughs> Very important. How dare anyway, you? 4-12. to 12. Do you want to discuss this at all? Yeah, or not? of course. Yeah. Tell me how it works. I, I haven't read I this. don't know that I know how it works. Okay. The way they say it works is they're taking the six conference champions that are the highest ranked six. Okay. I, I think that's just a fancy way of saying – the champs of the ACC, the champs right. of the SEC, the champs of the Pac-12, the champs of the Big Ten, the champs of the Big 12. There's five. Okay. They are going to be in the tournament no matter what. They're okay. going to be five of the 12 teams. They're going to take another conference winner. Maybe it's Central Florida or maybe it's, you know, one of these lesser conferences. Another conference champion, that'll be number six. All right. All right. Those are your top six seeds out of 12. They're going to seed them one through 12. And then seed seven through 12, either by, by virtue of a poll or or by virtue of a committee, they're going to pick uh, 
seven wild card teams. Gotcha. The next best seven teams in the country. The next best six teams. Next best six right. teams in the country. Yeah, right. Like, like they do right. with the wild card for right. Yeah, and then. One, two, three, and four, the teams that they think are the best of those conference winners are going to get buys. Okay. Five's going to play 12. Six is going to play 11. Seven is going to play 10. Gotcha. Eight's going to play nine. They're going to play at the higher seeds fields. It's not in the bowl game. my next question. And then the winners of those four games are going to then play the, win- the, the top seeds, the top four seeds, presumably at their at their stadiums. So do we know if the Bulls are going to get involved at all? Because I've always thought know. they could do that. Like first round could be the, uh, the Citrus or whatever. I mean, they could figure I it out. I think the Bulls are good. I don't, th- I don't know that they've decided the, the any of this, okay. really. I think I'm I'm probably getting ahead of the horse. But, um, but you're saying they are going to host – teams will host home games. Yes, teams okay. are going to host home games, and I think maybe the Bull games will be involved like they are now in the semifinals and the championship game. Okay. Yeah, Does that make something. sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I like it. So there you go. Are you happy about that? Uh, yeah, of course I'm happy about yeah. it. Who yeah. isn't? It's awesome. I mean, do you think that college football ever looked at the NCAA basketball tournament and went, it was like, what are we doing? Why are, why, do, why are we not doing this? I mean, I know they can't do 64, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The country stops those first two days and first four days, really. Yeah. The country stops for the basketball tournament. People love it. Everyone fills out a bracket. It's magical. And then college football, eh, three games. I mean, come on, three games? Well, they used to have none. Yeah, that's true. In 1991, we didn't get oh, a national championship game, did we? We didn't, but we have a national champion. Just didn't get the game. That would have been... You keep fooling yourself. You keep fooling yourself. You clearly uh, didn't watch that Washington team. I'm a very aware of that Washington team. You don't remember team. the first pick in the NFL draft, who was unblockable. <laughs> I do. Nobody I, at Miami was going to block him. I do remember him. You do? I do also remember that Miami would have won that game. You think so? Yeah. No, no chance. You can't throw the ball when you're laying on your back. That defense <laughs> was 12, 13 deep, all bullies. Okay. But that would have been fun to watch. I guess we'll never know. We won't. We got yeah. screwed. So the system we have today is better than that. It is. And the yes. system that we'll have in a few years is better than this. Yeah. So, some believed it would go from four to eight. I'm a little surprised it's going to go from four to 12. Uh, okay. I think it's pretty clear it is going to go from four to 12. And yeah, there'll still be the debate over who the 13th team, who gets screwed in this whole thing. Yeah. Someone always does. Well, it's a lot different when we're debating who the fifth team is in a four-team playoff versus who the 13th team is in a 12-team playoff. I see. Yeah. A little better team at, at five. Is well, at five, you know, we're talking about four teams winning twice. The fifth team can win twice and win the national championship. Yeah. And the fifth team is sometimes a team with one loss. Right. That we're talking about not getting into the top four. Yeah. How many losses is the griping 13th team going to be in the new format. Right. Someone could figure out who that would have been last year. I'm, yeah, I, I think I, I have it. I think it would have been North Carolina. Oh, okay. With three losses. It's like eight and three or nine yeah. and three or something? Yeah, eight and three, yeah. All right, well, yeah. That's... And, and they would cry and they would scream and they would say, hey, we deserve to be one of the 12. Yeah. But somebody would then say, or a lot of people would then say, hey, you lost three times out of 11. Yeah. You lost nearly 30% of your games. And you play in the ACC, by the way. Okay, well, <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. I got an idea. Go 9 and 2 the next time and yeah. you're in the in the 12-team playoff, yeah. right? So, it, it will be debated. It will always be debated. There will always be a team that has gripes or teams that have gripes. But at the end of the day, I think that team will be highly flawed as opposed to the fifth best team in the country. I, I love what it does for smaller schools. I think it's great. Yeah. Like the, the Central Florida is for a great There'll example. There'll never be, a, I don't think there'll ever be a case of Central Florida again. If Central Florida goes 12 and 0 or any other team in a mid major conference goes 12 and 0 or 13 and 0 yeah. and runs the table, 
I can't imagine or fathom that they would not be in a 12-team playoff. They'll be right. 12th, but, you know, <laughs> they'll punish them by sticking them down at 12. Well, they'll have to play the number five seed yeah. and, and beat somebody. So your reward for making the tournament is yeah, going to Tuscaloosa. The, but you make the tournament. <laughs> you do. And, and what it means is every essentially every coach in America yeah. can look at their players at the beginning of the season, no matter what the name is on the jersey, they can say, hey, we now control our own destiny. That's right, yeah. When it That's was when it was four or when it was two or when it was no national championship game, we could win every one of our games and still not get a sniff, right? right? That hurts. We don't control our own. Now with 12 teams, every team in America, I think – controls its own destiny. So that's a good thing. Curious to All see right? if that affects recruiting as well, because now they can tell it to recruits too. Look, you could be in the yeah, tournament. It should. You would think it should. I'm curious. Maybe things yeah. will even out a little bit. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know that it will. What will happen is the team I root for, the Washington Huskies, won't make it, but Eastern Washington will win their division <laughs> and they'll be in the playoffs. <laughs> They're going to go undefeated and win their division and uh, be in the playoffs. That's what will happen. I think. I think. All right. I'm excited. Okay. Great, great news. Okay. What do you got over there? A Massachusetts lobster diver survived being swallowed up and then spat out by a humpback whale. True story. I know. It's, when I read that, I was like, this can't be real. He is a professional. Okay, I got que- Swallowed up. <laughs> you said swallowed up. Well, he, he went in the mouth and down the tube, down the hatch. He was in the, st- he was Jonah. He was in the whale. I don't know. If it, yeah, it's very okay, similar you said to that. swallowed up. Not, not, not in the mouth. That's not swallowed. Well, there's a distinction between in a I don't think it means in he, was, a he was in his stomach okay. of the whale. Okay. But he was swallowed up meaning he was engulfed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All Thank right. you for focusing on okay. that part of the story and <laughs> not the part not that I got. Not nearly as good a story. <laughs> much better if he comes from the stomach. But okay. For, yeah, much, definitely. Can we get this guy story. on? Oh yeah, we should get him on. Does this exist? Does this story really exist? Can he, we can we put out feelers? He said he was in there for 40 seconds in the mouth of the of the whale and he was nervous he was going to run out of air because I mean, who knows? Who knows how much air you have? How much time do you have in a whale's mouth? Pretty crazy, but dark in there. He he said everything went black. He thought he got bit by a shark or attacked by a shark, but then yeah. he realized um, I don't feel any pain, so I don't think it's a shark. But he was, like I said, afraid he was going to run out of air. He went to the doctors. They said he's fine, a little battered, but no broken bones, and he now has the greatest fish story of all time. Oh my god! Incredible. But the whale essentially tasted him or sensed him in the mouth and then spat him back out. If he liked the way the guy tasted, he might not be here to tell the story. It's a good thing he didn't shower that morning. <laughs> That's exactly right. Ooh, yeah. Get out of here. This is disgusting. It tastes fishy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. I'm not, not, not into that as a whale. Yeah, we'll try to get him on. Oh. NBC has indefinitely paused production of its upcoming competition show called Ultimate Slip and Slide. Reportedly, after multiple oh people God. on set came down with diarrhea. The rap reported Thursday that up to 40 crew members fell violently ill, citing a person with knowledge of the production. That person, that person said people were collapsing and being forced to run into porta potties due to awful explosive <laughs> diarrhea. <laughs> Spokespeople for oh, NBC God. didn't immediately respond to a request for comment oh, from the HuffPost, but the show actually sounds cool. It's being filmed in California. It's d- described as you remember the slip and slide. You remember yeah. that, that old? Do I remember toilet? the slip and slide? I saw it last week with the. The guy in the Washington Nationals game, but go ahead. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what do you mean. Last week. Go ahead. Finish the story. So the slip and slide. Everyone knows what that is. Yeah, of course. So the story. It's in the spirit of that. But they're going to transform it into a real life water park full of gigantic slippery rides with the chance to take home a. I remember huge as a kid, prize. the first time I ever saw a slip and slide was at a friend's house, and the first thing I wanted to do was be do my Pete Rose imitation. Oh, coming home in the All Star game. That one. Well, no, no, coming home in the All Star game. Pummel the guy. Yeah, that's Ray Fox. He broke Ray Fox's. <laughs> 
face. In an all-star game. I'm talking about his dive into third. He was yeah. like the first guy to go head Charlie first H- into was third. He Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle. There you go, yeah. So I, that's the first thing I wanted to do. Yeah. Did you do the, 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 slip and the little dish soap too to make it extra slippy? We used to do that. I I I, I, I was a friends. I, I don't think I had oh, okay. I don't think I had this I don't think I had the clout to be able to do something. <laughs> you didn't march in the kitchen and no. demand the soap. Please tell me you saw the video that I sent out via Twitter. I mean, everybody's been been everybody's seen it of the streaker. In Washington, stark naked, like stark, stark, Why is stark he naked. naked. He, at a, at a, wait, at a, at a game? Yeah, you don't know what streakers are. You never seen a streaker go out not stark naked? Yeah, I thought that was a '70s thing. I know people still did streaking. We're the a little Washington, more uptight now. Like for three some weeks ago, the Washington Nationals were playing a game, and and there was a rain delay. Yeah, and everybody was in the stands, kind of waiting it out, and they had the tarp on the field. Yeah, thus sure. the slip and slide, and a guy came out of like left field completely i'm talking stark stark oh, naked God. and he ran out onto the onto the tarp that was covering the infield he ran across the outfield ran, you just got to look it up oh he ran God. on the infield and he immediately slipped on his ass and he's sliding all over the place and then he's sliding on purpose Did and he slid on his stomach he slid i think he slid on his stomach oh. at one point you're really he's getting uh, up he's, he's calling for crowd noise everything <laughs> 15 minutes. And, then, and then two or three security people have to run out of course in the yeah. pouring oh. rain and they're sliding all over the place oh. because it's, it's slippery and you know where he go you, you know where he went to, to hide this was not a good tactical decision no he didn't make them chase him like normal streakers do. Yeah, yeah. You know where the tarp comes out of the big roll and it's just lying on the on the field or laying on the field? Oh, yeah, yeah. The big roller? Sure, yeah. He went into the tube. <laughs> he fit, huh? Good for him. <laughs> right into, He crawled into the tube and, of course, oh, one security guy went on right. one end, one security guy on the other end. He was go. caught. And now they have to pull a naked man out of a tube yeah, right. that got up for work that <laughs> day. Right. You and I get up for work. We do a focaccia podcast. Yep. Easy day at the office. They get up for work, and they've got to take a naked man oh, out of a roll in a rain delay in Washington. Part of me's jealous that he's, he's comfortable enough with his physique to do that in front of thousands of people. His physique was fine. I'm saying, like, was, I'm jealous. He was fine. But but the first thing that you will think of when you watch that yeah. is, is, the, is the old slip and slide. That's exactly what it was, the old slip and slide. That sounds kind of fun. Because though. as soon as he took one step from the outfield grass onto the tarp, in the rain, the first step, yeah. he went down on his ass. <laughs> <Did> he? Yeah, <laughs> that's risky though. Being out there, I mean, if someone dropped a tool on that tarp and you don't know what's there, and you go sliding right over it naked, he dropped a tool Ooh, on the tarp. Yes, he sure did. <laughs> anyway, I just I love that a diarrhea problem on a show called Slip and Slide. That to me, that is just so awesome. I can't believe that's a real thing. All right, I got two things. Go ahead. Can I get back to sports for a second, please, Mitch Unfiltered? Um, Novak Djokovic won the French Open. You know that? Yes, I did see that. That's not really the big story, although congratulations to him. It's like his, I don't know, 18th, 19th major Grand Slam championship. The story really is here who he beat in the semifinals. He beat Rafael Nadal, the king of clay courts. Okay. And I think I ask this every year because normally Nadal wins the – I think he's won, I don't know, 10 of them, 11 of them, 12 of them, 9 of them. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. He had played Rafael Nadal going into the semifinal match with Novak Djokovic, and this is not even a te- this is more this transcends tennis. Rafael Nadal had played in 107 matches. That was his 108th match, the semifinals against Novak Djokovic. What was his record going into that match in his career at the French Open? After- this is the greatest. They say home floor advantage, home yeah. field advantage, home. And he's a Spaniard playing in a. French Open, but still, this is the greatest home court advantage in the history of of professional or amateur sports. Well, if you're telling me he's the best ever on that surface, ever by far, I'm going to say a hundred wins. He was 105 and two. Jeez. 
Really? Going into the match. Now think about that. Oh. How many times can you lose in each tournament? I think once. Once. Yeah, yeah. Hundred and five and two. Crazy. No. Hundred five and two. He had only not won the French Open two times. See, you and I would be in Vegas before it starts, and you go, "Listen, this guy's hundred and five and two. Yeah, you got to put a ton of money. He's winning it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course." And then he would have. <laughs> that's that's how that would have gone if you and I were in, were in Vegas. You'd have been giving me the spiel for twenty minutes about the home oh, god, the clay. He's so good, he can't. Nobody beats him. Nobody beats him. Yeah. Until, Until now, you, until you and I throw a couple bucks down. Wow, that's impressive. Anyway, and then. Prayers for the Denmark soccer player, 29-year-old Christian Eriksson. He was dead on the field in cardiac arrest in a a soccer match, in a football match. Uh, The team doctor came out. He collapsed on the field. The team doctor says, and this is not even in the the hospital. The team doctor got out to him. He says he was gone, and we did cardiac resuscitation. It was cardiac arrest. How close we were to losing him, I don't know. We got him back after one defibrillator. So it's quite fast. I'm not a cardiologist, so the details I will leave to the experts of the hospital. A 29-year-old, fit as fit can be, yep. Denmark soccer player is dead on the field in cardiac arrest, and yep. they brought him back to life. I was thinking Thank about God. his wife having to watch them do chest compressions because when you, that's like last resort, chest compressions. Somebody's dead. I mean, it's incredible that they brought him back to life. And his whole, you see his team. But it happens that. all the time, right, with these defibrillators? I mean, they're, li- they're life savers they are. all the time. That's yeah. why they're everywhere. It's, isn't it some sort of a law now? I think they've, it is. They've got to be everywhere. Big they're push. When I coach high school football. And gyms yeah. and foot. I mean, everywhere, right. right? They save they lives. They save lives, yeah. You got you to know how to, how to use it. Yeah. What a crazy story. I was following 29. it on Twitter, and it wasn't – all I saw was the wall around him. There was no really updates. And then a picture of him in the stretcher sitting up was posted. His eyes are open. I'm like, he's alive. I can't believe this guy's alive because I heard compressions. I'm like – we're going to lose. It's going to be Hank Gathers. He's going to die Hank right in Gathers. front of everybody. It's the first thing you think of, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally. Urge, yeah. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Oh, yeah. well, good for, I'm yeah. glad that ended the way it did. Yeah, his wife and kid were in the stands. That's all I kept thinking about was having to watch them. He's uh, 29. My God, he's in bed. Yeah, anyway, crazy. All right, I have a story that reminded me of you and Brian Wheeler, if you're ready for that. Me uh, and Brian Wheeler? Yeah, you remember Brian Wheeler? Yeah, I do. You remember that guy? Yeah. A North Dakota man skipped his niece's wedding for a Las Vegas oh, poker oh, oh, tournament. <laughs> Wasn't there a story about you and Wheels skipping a wedding? Or? Wheels and I used to go to Charlie <laughs> Max South and bet on the football games on Sundays it's at 10 a.m. Way better than North. I mean, North. You got, you got to go to South. Charlie Max South yeah. near the airport. Yeah. We would sit with all all the, I mean, we'd sit watching all these games, put a few bucks on the early games. Sure. And he had a, he had a, Dan Zucker. That's right. I think it was Dan Zucker. No, I, I was told it was Dan Zucker's yeah, wedding. Yeah, it's Dan Zucker's wedding. He had Dan Zucker. He was having an afternoon. First of all, what kind of a guy has an <laughs> afternoon Sunday? Uh, some, I don't, I don't know if it was his wedding or his reception, but Wheels was invited. I, of course, was not. Yeah. Because um, you were new to town? Is that the reason? No. Uh. <laughs> I'd like to blame it on that. Okay. Uh, no, I, I didn't go to very, I, I wasn't invited to many places, but, okay. uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was like at one o'clock, one thirty. <laughs> I like how Zucker's the victim. What kind of guy has a wet, he could have just done the right thing and gone, but okay. Wheels is sitting in Charlie <laughs> Max South with, with the smoke and all, yeah, oh, everybody yeah. rooting for him. And he's sitting in a suit because he's got to go to Zucker's <laughs> reception. Yeah. And he says to me when he picks me up. To go at 10 a.m. or 9 a.m. Now listen, Mitch. I can only stay for the early games. I, I cannot stay for the for the late games. Famous last words. I yes. have to go to the Stan Zucker reception, mm-hmm. and uh, we we lost a few bucks on the early games. <laughs> and I was I was working. I'm like, come on, you you're not going to stay 
We got a chase. We've got we got the Broncos and the Chargers uh, coming up, or you know, Satan's got, helper right there on his shoulder. We've got we've got games. We're gonna we're gonna win. You're not gonna stay. And he was like, yeah. I can't. I, uh, okay, let's go. <laughs> he pulls his tie off and never shows up at dance. <laughs> and how, how did we do in those late games? Did we chase? I don't remember. Yeah, that's the reason you don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy reported that his 63 year old Harlan Miller is his name. His niece Macy was set to get married in Montana last weekend, but he skipped the nuptials to participate in the mid stakes poker tour at the Venetian for a less $1,100 main event. Yeah, but he actually walked away with $367,000. Uh, to the good, he made a three hundred sixty, and he did report that three hundred and sixty. I don't think we did that well at Charlie. Max it doesn't South. sound like it. No, during three, the during the wedding, three sixty seven eight hundred to be exact. Pretty good, nice, pretty good pull for nice. him. And he did say that it uh, worked out best for everyone because, uh, well, now Macy gets a better wedding present. So the niece didn't go. want the uncle there anyway. No, he's, he's an embarrassment. Definitely a degenerate <laughs> embarrassment. Yeah, she didn't, she didn't want him there. All right, I'll give you my last one because in the last few episodes of Mitch Unfiltered, we talked about Jared Kalnick and all the problems that he's had, and he was over for a million, and they yeah. sent him back down to Tacoma. First of all, you should know that I think it was Saturday night that Jared Koenig hit a home run in Tacoma. Barely. But he did, yes. It was a, it was a wall scraper, but it's okay, Counts. <laughs> I thought the guy was going to grab it. I really did. It'd be perfect it for him. It was his luck, yeah. yeah. But it was a home run. He had a part of a two-hit night, so maybe he's coming Good. out of it a little bit, and we'll get him back, and he'll be the star that we all thought he was. But I do, I do want to point out that when he was – the big story when he was promoted for that Thursday, I think it was a Thursday night game or Friday night, Thursday right. night game. Thursday night, yeah. He made his debut. There was another prized Mariner prospect who was promoted on the same night, actually was the pitcher, was the starting pitcher for the Mariners named Logan Gilbert. Yep. Mariners fans will remember that. He was promoted the same night. Now, we, we got preoccupied with the Jared Koenig story, the second game. He had a home run in his second game and had a double, and, he, yeah. and then he went over a billion, and then he was... While we weren't looking... This other guy, oh, by the way, Logan Gilbert, who pitched poorly the first two or three times out for the Mariners, on Saturday, no, on Sunday afternoon, this past Sunday afternoon, six and two-thirds against the Indians in Cleveland, four hits, one run, one walk, six strikeouts. He has pitched better and better and better every time out. He's looking like a top of the top of the rotation type of guy in the future. Nice. In his last three starts, 17 and two-thirds innings, 11 hits, four walks, 18 strikeouts. Wow. Okay, four walks, 18 strikeouts, I believe. Do I have that right? No, no, sorry. 17 and two-thirds, 11 hits, four runs, 18 strikeouts. Okay. His ERA over the last three games as a starter, 2.04 in Major League Baseball, Logan Gilbert. Are you giving me positive Mariner news? I'm giving you positive Mariner wow, news. Wow, I like it. There's reasons to be optimistic, especially about Logan Gilbert. Well, That's what I'm saying. I don't know if you saw Kevin Mather said he's not ready. So I don't oh, know. Oh, he's but, ready, Kevin. Oh, he, he is he's ready. ready. Oh, okay, good. He's ready. YouTube, and here. YouTubers versus TikTokers. Are you excited it. about this? Stop it. It's further proof these social media boxing matches are becoming the most popular events in combat sports, whether you like it or not. We can sneer at it all they want. By the way, everything happens in Florida. This, this went down at the Hard Rock in Miami. Seven matches total, 20,000 people in attendance to watch YouTubers fight TikTokers. They had seven matches. And in the main event, TikToker uh, or Austin, YouTuber Austin McBroom pummeled TikToker Bryce Hall Saturday night. In the you lost me a long time. Five million bucks for the winner to that, though. Who, who won the match? Which team? I think YouTube, uh, let me see here. Yeah, I think YouTube sort of handled the TikTokers. Really? I would have thought that the TikTokers would have would have handled the oh, YouTubers. All soft little wimpy TikTokers. They're not as tough <laughs> as the YouTubers. Come on. Lamar right. Odom, a champion once again. The okay. Ex-NBA ex or knocked out Aaron Carter in their celebrity boxing match, which wasn't even related to this. Who knew that was going on the same day? I'm telling you, people love this amateur amateur boxing crap. It's, it's crazy. But 
Name five boxers in the heavyweight division right now. Can't. I mean, can't do it. Can't. Klitschko. Can't. Times two. That's all I got. Who knows if they're Aaron Carter. It. Singer. Aaron. Yes. In sync. Incorrect. Uh, 98 degrees. It's weird you go with them because they weren't even as big as Insect in sync and Backstreet like Nick Boys. Nick Lachey, I think. Of Nick Lachey. Yeah. Married to Jessica Simpson. Backstreet, Backstreet Boys. His brother was in the Backstreet Boys. Aaron Carter was not. Aaron Carter was a little Who's younger. Who's the brother? Nick Carter. Wait. Yeah, Nick Carter. Okay. Nick was the one in the back. Is Nick Carter also a boxer? Well, (laughs) after watching this, we all might be. At some point, we all might want to jump in the ring for $5 million. He was a solo artist. Yeah, he had some some real demons. He had some drug problems, but he's cleaned himself up. Same with Lamar Odom. He's been there. So Lamar Odom at 6'10", knocked his ass out. Floyd Floyd Mayweather had a house that got broken into in Las Vegas. One of his homes got broken into, and he's offering hundred grand. If you have any information, Mitch Levy, to who broke into his house. He's known for collecting these rare Birkin bags that can be very expensive. What kind of bags? They're called Birkin bags. I don't know. My what wife's that means. always very envious of people I don't who have know them. What, I don't know what Birkin is. It's that like, like a, a purse? Yeah, like a purse. Oh. Kind of. But I think they probably make bigger ones. Yeah. Really? It's like, yeah. like a Prada? It's like Prada, yes. Oh. Birkin. It's like the most. Oh, expensive. nice. Be happy you don't know what that is. <laughs> be happy. Be happy you've never heard of that. By the way, if I come up with some. Uh, some tips for the uh, for the hundred thousand dollars. Will fifty of it be your money? That's exactly that you right. You paid for the yeah, fight right. last week. <laughs> yes, it will. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if you know who broke into one of Mayweather's homes, let him know. All right. A true one of a kind pair of Michael Jordan Air Jordan ones, the ones you had. Yeah. Just hit the market. They're literally before Jordan's career because it's the not it's before his career before they started making those shoes. It's the sample pair of the Jordan ones. Some guy got his hands on the pair of the sample shoes they let Jordan try on to see if he really? even liked them. Yeah. Really? And by the way, who knew Jordan's left foot is a 13 and his right foot's a 13 and a half? Have you ever heard that about no, him? No, I've not. I've not. It's weird, right? Yeah, I would have I would have not known that. So th- this guy got his hands on this in the 80s. Some, someone just gave them to him, and now they're going up on uh, for auction. It's at 95000 right now, but Ooh. it's expected to get 250 Gs. It goes till nice. June 16th. Nice. Passengers on a flight from Los Angeles to Atlanta were terrorized when a man tried to open the door on the jet. I don't know if you saw this. Well, I saw I saw a video of one one such happening. I think there were two recently. Well, maybe I saw the other one then. Was it the flight attendant, the male flight attendant, who grabbed the guy and pummeled him and put him in the seat and then put his arms behind his back and, and zip tied his 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 wrists that, together? That wasn't this one. I know okay. what you're talking about though. Okay, I saw the I saw the highlights of that one. The guy did like all the heavy the lifting that yeah. Yeah. I saw the video of that one. It's highlights. Yeah. I, I enjoy the yeah. highlights. Yeah, so according to the independent witnesses said the crew asked for strong men to assist in subduing the passenger on the Delta flight. Mitch Levy, you can stay in your seat. We got this. <laughs> one took to Twitter and said the freaked out flyer actually oh. accessed the PA system in, in the front galley and told all everyone on the plane Put your oxygen mask on. Now, wait a second. This passenger was going to do what? He was going to open the door. He wasn't trying to go to the cockpit. Oh, the one that I'm talking about was rushing the cock- cockpit. Right. They, yeah. they, they thought he was at first, and they, they flipped oh, out. Oh, okay. Maybe this Turns is the out one I'm talking about. He was only going to open the door. All good. Yeah. Okay. All right. You have anything else? Is that it for episode 145, or might you have one last story? Um, Tiger Woods isn't going to do any U.S. Open stuff. I don't know if you saw that. He, he, he declined. He was asked to go in the booth and call the action. He oh, passed. Oh, come on. Tiger Woods wouldn't do that. If he were 100% healthy and not just not playing in the U.S. Open, <laughs> really? he would not get in the booth and, and do... Well, maybe Not, not his thing? No, he's that's more of a Phil Mickelson thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, he doesn't... No. But if you heard he was going to be in the booth, wouldn't you want to hear his insight as to every shot? And, I mean, wouldn't I it be awesome? I, I wasn't saying I didn't want to listen to him. No, no, I, but saying, how yeah. great would it be? Would you love it? If he were to, to really to really let go. Yeah, and put, it, put the work he's in. He's too and, guarded. And that's just not his deal. 
That's just not his deal, okay. especially now where he's hiding. I mean, he's he's not out there. I don't, yeah. I don't think with his current condition that he has any interest of getting into a booth. So, All right. Yeah. Rest, Sorry. In, rest in peace to Ned Beatty. You remember him? Sure. Veteran character actor. Sure. Famous. Superman. Superman. Network. Yeah. Rudy. Other I call, Oh, I loved him as Rudy's dad. Loved him. Yeah. You, you remember? I'm the, not a Rudy guy, but okay. Oh, I saw it in the theater. I, I loved it. I didn't see it until like last Tuesday. It took me like 20 years. Come to, on. Yeah, it took me, it took me like 25 years to, to suffice. I know you don't love sports movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I steer clear. I'm kind of yeah. with you on that, but yeah. this is such a cool story. Yeah. But I like Hoosiers, and I like, there's some of them that Field I Field really of Dreams. Like. Not really. <laughs> a little hokey for you? Yeah. Dead people coming Cold out. Durham. Yeah, I've never seen that. You haven't? No. I, again, Kevin I don't. Kevin Costner? I'm familiar with it. I just, <laughs> I don't love sports movies So Ned either. Beatty, 83 years old, you said? Yes, Rudy's dad. He yep. gives him that great speech at the bus stop. Do you remember that? No, the, no, just, I don't know Rudy. I mean, I saw it. Well, he's going off to Notre Dame to live his dream, and his dad comes to try to talk him out of it. Yeah. He says, Notre Dame's for yeah. rich kids, smart kids, great athletes. Like he says, athletes. It's not for us. You're a Rudiger. There's nothing in the world wrong with being a Rudiger. You can have a damn nice life. You know, remember that scene? He's trying to get you. Look, Frank's going to take over plant two. Yeah. In two years, he'll be yeah. making more than both of us. Yeah. I do remember the scene. And I also remember a poignant scene where in the game, the famous game that Rudy plays, the father going up the tunnel and the seeing the time, field yeah. for the first. Yeah, I, I remember that too. Yeah. This is the most beautiful thing these eyes have ever seen. <laughs> I, I clearly love that movie. Ned don't Beatty. I? A Ned great Beatty. character actor, dead at the age of 83. He was really known for, he gave a five to six minute speech in Network. He's only on camera for like six or seven minutes. It's this incredible speech he gives. Network, yeah. Yeah. I, Long time ago. Kind of a tough sit these days for me. I don't know. I didn't really love it, but the speech he gives, actually, he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best wow. Supporting Actor, and he's only on the screen for like seven minutes. So wow. rest in peace to Ned Beatty. He was in, you, if you don't know, if you can't Everybody picture Everybody knows him, Ned Beatty. Everyone knows Ned Beatty, yeah. right? Yeah. You don't All right. Have to What's the answer to a trivia question, but it's not accurate anymore, so. And the trivia question was? He made guest appearances on both of the longest-running primetime dramas in United States television history. Primetime dramas, the longest two, how long did they run? Are they 1950s, 60s shows? One's 50s, one's 90s, yeah. and I think it's probably still going. The 90s, really? But I think it's still going. Really? Yeah. Like new shows? No. It's called Law and Order. Is that not going? Yeah, they're not. Are they still producing new Law and Orders? Well, no, that can't be true. They have like SVU. And, and what's the 50s and 60s one? Gunsmoke. Oh, yeah. Okay. But now the, Never saw it, but the yeah. Simpsons is number one, SVU is number two. Oh. Simpsons is 32. And Ned, Ned Beatty was on was Gunsmoke it? and Law and Order. How about that? It's pretty damn impressive. Answer the trivia so. question. Yes. Yep. And I think, I was thinking about the name Beatty. I think Ned and Warren, there's a lot of range with the last name Beatty, right? Don't we all sort <laughs> of like fit? you and me? You're Ned and I'm Warren. There's a lot of range <laughs> in between uh, that name. All right. I got one final one if you're well, ready. Oh, yeah. I'm always I'm always looking for a final one. The annual testicle eating festival oh, ruined by fraudsters paying with fake money. Uh, I'm sitting back. Just make sure you're recording as you sit back there, please. <laughs> <laughs> the Calumet County Testicle Festival in Calumet Cow County, Wisconsin, testicle offers live music and an all-you-can-eat testicle-based Stop menu. Stop it! But uh, one of the food stalls called Rocky and Tara's Nut House. 
revealed that its staff had been duped by counterfeiters who had passed a number of fake $100 bills at the restaurant. A post on the restaurant's Facebook page warns, we would like to make this notice to all upcoming festivals and big events to be on guard as these bills can be bought by anyone on the internet. The bills appear to be marked with some Chinese symbols, like there's literally Chinese writing on them. And they also have been using some motion picture bills, they're called, I guess, like movie prop money. They explain that during the festival, the restaurant staff are so busy handing out testicles and beers to people and stuff, they don't have time to do that Who's little... testicles? I'm guessing animals, probably not who's, probably not ant, not human, but yeah, well, probably. that's what I'm saying. Oh, what kind of animal? I, I, I wouldn't expect it would be human testicles. Oh, he said who's, like we're yeah. going to know. Yeah, like what what animals are we Carl talking about? Carl Schmageggi from Bellevue. <laughs> it's not his, but you know. You've heard of Rocky Mountain oysters or no? No. Those are, I think those are bull testicles or cow testicles. Really? Called Rocky Mountain oysters. It's a delicacy in Wisconsin, huh? Turns out, yeah. Wow. So, okay, um, that's it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. I'm done. Okay. Yeah. Oh, actually, I got one more little note. <laughs> Festival organizers claim that despite the fake money drama that went on, most people still had a ball. I hope this story serves as a cautionary tale for all of you preparing to sell testicles in Wisconsin this summer. Oh, Jesus. Flies to nobody. Personally, I like to buy the deer testicles because they're so cheap. True story. They're under a buck. Something tells me you don't know what a buck is. I do okay, know right. what a buck is. <laughs> the, bills. the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, there you go. How do I not know what a buck yet. is? The bills literally have Chinese symbols on them. That being said, after the show, I'm heading to Green Bay to buy a Lamborghini, and I'm paying with cash. And finally, after reading a story like this, it's no wonder Aaron Rodgers wants to get the hell out of Wisconsin. Uh, a lot of weirdness going on there. Oh, you hear dear. a story like that, but you're, you're thinking, oh, it's in some crazy country. You've never. No, this is in Wisconsin. There was an old joke that this this story reminded me of Hotshot, but I don't know that I can tell you the old joke. I don't know that I remember it. Okay. But it's a story about a guy, about a guy going to Madrid or where where where, where do they have bullfighting in like Pamplona or pa- something? Well, that's Isn't... the running with the bulls. Yeah, yeah. Some place where there was bullfighting bull fighting everywhere. Mexico. And they had a big bullfight, and then they went to dinner after in the in the arena or in the stadium. The guy who the guy was a guest, and he sat down, and they brought out this big platter and they opened it up and yeah. it was huge and there was like big two big balls it was like there you go it's the uh it's the delicacy after the after the fight after yeah. the bullfight and then he, came, he said can i come back next week and he came back next week and went to the bullfight then they came back and they t- t- turned the th- and there were two tiny little balls he's like what what the hell happened he says sometimes the bull wins <laughs> i think i've heard that it's pretty funny <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I told it right. There's another joke that I thought you were going to tell, but it wasn't that. There's lots of ball jokes out there, I guess. That's what we're learning. I don't even know. I, 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 I probably butchered that. Ball no, I, 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 right? it's good. Yeah. Little, Sometimes the bull some... wins. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. That's the way we uh, we end. Episode 145. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, enter your U.S. Open contest. Yes. Mitch Unfiltered U.S. Open contest. Pick five golfers. Cost nothing to play. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com. It's all brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. Cash for the winner. Top 20 finishers will get something. Yep. All right? And enjoy the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines in San Diego, the, the golf course that you just oh. abused. You should see me on Tiger Woods Golf on the Xbox. <laughs> I used to kill that course. I used to play another one. It was something, um. something, something black. Um, Beth Page. Beth Page. Oh, that one, oh, too. Oh. I torch it. And Sahali. Oh, a lot of trees. You know, there's a sign at Beth Page Black before you go to the first tee. 
this golf course is not for the faint of heart. Oh, I've seen it. It's on the game. Is it? It's actually on the game. Yeah. It doesn't say faint of heart. It says, it says something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, some kind of warning. This is a like, warning. Oh, this yeah. is for low. This is for real serious. Serious golf. golfers. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you still played it on the uh, on the Xbox. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I hit it 320. I hit them straight. I'm so good. I gotta buy that game again. That reminds Ladies me. Ladies and gentlemen, episode 145 is in the books.